Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We may not be able to get in on the hurling action like we're used to yet, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their third year as official car partner of the GAA, Renault is offering a range of special offers exclusive to all GAA club members. Check out renault.ie slash GAA to find out more. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. A grain of rice. A grain of rice. Want to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Hello, everybody. Um, you're very welcome along to the Irish Examiner Hurling Show in conjunction with Renault. Great to have Renault back, lads. Championships in the air. Um, mighty. And uh, there's loads of offers there, so... Google on there to Renault and slash GA. So it's great stuff there. Lovely morning, lads, on the wild Atlantic way over here on the west coast of Clare. Very congrats. A bit of a gloom in Waterford this morning, unlike the bright sunshine here in Clare. Yeah, normally the sunny southeast here. Yeah, it's not so bad here this morning. Look, I think I think Liam Cal hit it on the nail, nail on the head. Just a flatness all around the performance. You know, fast, if you rewind two weeks, we played brilliantly against Tip in the league. Real mood of optimism. But I think there's a realistic kind of, you know, sense here today that, you know, missing the players that were, that were missing and just a flatness that can happen. I think we've all been there as managers <laughs> where, you, where you, you think the prep has gone really well and the team just doesn't reflect the preparation. I think that's, you know, that, that was evident yesterday. And, you know, you'd have to kudos to Claire and, and, and Lohan for being as well prepared as they were, as they were as well. Yeah, well said, Derek. Uh, let's, you, none, of, none of the two of you gave Claire any chance last Monday week. Uh, along with Shane McGrath, I might add. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm laughing about it. I'm guilty. Yeah, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. Myself and yourself did, Mac. TJ picked Antrim in that one. It is. It is. Ah! I didn't. I didn't want to mention that. No, to be honest. Yeah. There'll be lots. Of, there'll be lots of slagging later on about fantasy hurling and that. But let's get the games right first, anyway, as we go along. I thought. I thought. I thought that Waterford's league, like Derek, I thought there was plenty of signs of optimism in there. I know they were missing some players. I thought that they were kind of, like, I thought they were using plenty of players. I thought they had plenty of options. But I thought maybe yesterday during the, the, the commentary and I thought last night, I don't think Lohan got enough credit for his tactical setup, the way he went about absolutely nailing Waterford's game plan, really. I thought he just didn't, like, I put it this if it was David Fitz, the commentator would be raving about him. I thought that Lohan got it absolutely spot on. I think his management team, every matchup, I thought if there was maybe two players that kind of symbolised Lohan and Clare and championship yesterday at Della, I thought it was two cornerbacks. Right from the word go, they were up for us. They were up their opponents' ass. Everything, they were sending out the signals, this is championship and we're ready for it. And you could clearly see yesterday they were ready. 
Yeah, young young Hayes is really developing into a gym. TJ, you know, he, he nominated for an All-Star last year and probably struggled on Desi Hutchinson last year. You know, 2-2 conceded. Now, he finished the game very strongly and but has oh, carried well. on that form. And then for Paul Flanagan, that was turning back the clock for Paul. Yeah. He mightn't have got a chance if Aaron Fitzgerald was fit, but talk about t- seizing your chance when it came along. The same I thought with Paddy Fitzpatrick. Might be the most spectacular player. Fell in his 30s, making his championship debut for Clare, but... Like when Six Mile Bridge play anybody in Clare, lads, that has a marquee forward, Paddy Fitz is put on them. Be there Conor McGrath, be there if they play us, it's a Bobby Duggan. If it's Clooney, it's it's Peter Duggan. Paddy's the man to pick up these guys. And uh, I thought like he fairly obliterated Jack Fagan yesterday from the play and they were able to then and, take and him off and bring David McInerney in, which is great. And he's in his 30s, Anthony, is it? He's in his 30s. I, I can't... Maybe you could go back to the 80s, a couple of lads... The break-off of the Gerald Nan team, I kind of came in as a sub in 89, and there was a few lads getting debuts around in that I hadn't heard of hardly from maybe smaller clubs in the county, and they might have been pushing up around the 30, but certainly in later years, I can't remember anyone um, coming into a clear team that's over um, 30. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, that, that's an amazing thing to think that somebody that late in, in their career could come in and make their, 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 their debut, like, you know? Um like that that just just proves that Brian Lohan is on the ball with we said the form and picking players that are in form and that their age doesn't matter because it's a big thing around selection committees. Oh, geez, he's he's mid twenties or he's late twenties. We couldn't consider him right, which is rubbish. Like if the fella's good mm. enough, it doesn't matter what his age is. It's all yeah. about how good he is. It was both, Mac. It was it was the tactical matchups number one, but the game plan as well. Like the position yeah. of Conlon, like freeing up Conlon for the puck outs. I know Waterford did play into his hands by allowing all these things to happen, but the positioning of Colm Galvin in the middle of the field and then to go with Tony Kelly forcing Callum Lyons' hand to play him up top with Shanahar. So he got all of those bang on. And you'd have to give him a huge amount of credit as to him and the management team. Like I know they've had a sticky wicket there for maybe maybe a year and a half now, um, Delo, uh, in, in Clare. But really, really, I thought last year in the first round against Limerick, tactically they were very good as well with the positioning of Tony Kelly. I thought this year as well, tactically, game plan wise, just cut Waterford off the hop. I think early doors they set the tone in the early quarter, and Waterford, I think their performance, as Derek said, there it was flat. It just kind of reminded me of a horse that was kind of struggling. The whip was out. Maybe they'll have to jump in one or two, and you knew your face. But the positive for Waterford at the very end of it is they were staying on strong. And look, we can clearly see last night the last quarter was by far their best quarter. And you know, you might say the game was done another five or ten minutes. But in, in end of the day, Clare the better team yesterday. Full value for their win. Great performance. And you'd nearly go as far as to say typical Lohan, wasn't it? Was it was there was some element of Lohan in there, yeah, Keys Defiance. And um yeah, look, I mean defensively, like I've been saying this, lads, I I've been saying this now for a while that I'm gone a bit sick of defenders not defending. And I don't think their systems are being set up to tell them not to defend. I think there's so many backs taking liberties. They're going up the field and they're doing something positive, which is great. But their men, their men are regularly picking off four and five points. And I can remember the couple of days that happened to me. I still have horrors about them. And I thought that was one of the things yesterday with Clare. Only conceded 21 points. That was a nice bit lower save for the last 10 minutes, never looked like conceding a goal. Um, and fellas marked their men, and they got John Condon into the pocket, and he was superb at reading it. Waterford, Derek, to be fair, did puck a lot of ball down on top of him. I suppose 
taking Caleb Lines back into full back took away an awful lot of what I've liked about Watford so far this year and late last year. And I, I suppose that little bit of stuff I, I found a little bit. You, the flatness is very hard to understand. Do you know that? And um, but we understand it as well because we've all been there. But those little tactical things, I found that those I didn't expect Liam to be caught like that. Yeah, look, I'd say look, no, no different than we all alluded to the last week. You have your plan A, B, and C, and you know, I'd say plan A was was lines was taking Kelly, and if Kelly was going to wing forward, the hope was I suppose to have Kelly at wing forward, I suppose, and and then. Like if you, I'd imagine Plan B was Connor Gleeson, which you probably referred to later in the, you know, in the day, if you like. Well, Connor, Connor plays centre forward, for instance, for Four My Water. Here he plays midfield with Four My Water. He's played corner back. He's played wing back. He's played centre back. We would have used him for Lahan. We would have used him for different guys over the years. Cadigan, you know, he, he's a kind of a, mm. he'd be renowned for being a good tight man marker. Caleb did a very good job on 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 Tony in the, in the match last year. Albeit Tony was obviously hampered by injury, so. I'd say Gleave is saying to himself, right, Austin is wing back. So Austin will be our fella that will go from wing back in this game. And and you know, whilst you're Robin Peter to pay Paul with Caleb gone, the, the ideal scenario for Watford would, would be to have Austin on one wing and Caleb on the other wing and be able to go in those situations. You know, so I, I'd imagine he thought about that. And on reflection, he'd probably say to himself, Look, but I have no doubt they thought about those situations, you know what I mean? Because because even as Lions was trying to Progress as the game developed. You could see what he was going to bring, and he was almost nearly trying too hard to go. And then near the yeah. end of it, you know, if that makes sense, he was kind of trying to get the balance right between it. But even the position, not even in the corner to full forward, Kelly was, was was very clever. And I'm the same with TJ. I would have kind of, I thought it was very telling if you listen closely to Conlon's interview after the game. Correct. Yeah. I, I I thought that was very very informative. Now for a listener, like, and even this morning I read the I read the rest of the interview in the, in the examiner. He says. We studied Waterford hard. And if I'm honest, I'm on the outside of it, and you're on the inside of it there, Anthony, I would have said to myself, Lone, what does he bring? He brings organisation. He brings a massive status, a presence. And I would have had a, I would have said to myself, right, tactically looking at the game last year, Parky Cueve with oceans of space. But Conlon says in the interview, he said, at the end of last year, we went to Brian and we, we, we told him what we felt needed to be done. And, you know, and I suppose it's a coming together of the minds then. It's not the players dictate, but no one is a man enough to kind of say, right, this is what we need to work on. And I thought, just listening to Conlon, how they pinpointed, I thought they were the ones that, whilst Warford contributed with Jack Pender and the boys coming down the field to freeing up Conlon, I think the boys in Clare just said to themselves, right, John Conlon, stay on the edge of the D here. Who's going to do the work for me now by covering the 10, 11 and 12? And it was Reedy, it was Aidan McCarthy, it was Colin Malone, it was Ian Galvin, and we have the two boys inside. And I just thought, that was really clever out of Lohan and his management team, as TJ has already said so. And then they were a proactive team. They got the grip in the middle third. And if you have good players, like knacky players, like Reedy and Aidan McCarthy, like the classic modern hurling we're calling it was in, Austin got five points to play and Aidan McCarthy got three points to play and market each other. You know, uh, you know, as a guy, for, a lot of, for a lot of it, you know. So there's eight points between them. And I think Aidan McCarthy had about four or five wides as well. So, I, But I do think that's, I think the, the interview with Conlon was particularly telling in terms of what Clare have decided to do, you know, in terms of how they're going about their business. And that's a game... Derek, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a powerful, that's a powerful bit of management, Derek. Like, uh, some oh, managers we've known in the past would have thrown the, the ties out of the prem and say, you won't dictate to me what way we go about this. I think it's a massive sign of yes. show that you're vulnerable, hold up your hand yeah. and say, I'm vulnerable yeah. on things, lads. I might bring a whole pile of positives, 
but yeah. I've areas to learn at this level and to take yeah. guidance from John Conlon, yeah. Tony Kelly, yeah. Carl Malone. You can imagine the, the leaders there, yeah. like, and I, I think and that's, that's a great that's, sign of Brian. That's that's be very friendly. I'm not, it's not in any way denigrating Brian. It's a morally basically, we've all been in that position where you kind of throw it open to the floor and you say, lads, what's wrong here? You know, or where do we need to go? Or, yeah. And you listen to it and you take some things on board. But again, against that, the last water break, Claire, if you watch the last water break on the telly, you can see the real loan coming. He's having a cut off Aidan McCarthy, and you don't need to be a lip reader, a great lip reader, to, to find out what he's actually saying to him. I love to see that kind of, you know, we see Kinnerk and we see Kylie mixing lovely during the year as well, where we the tactic board is out. But I thought loan, I saw, you see the real loan then, when he was up in Aidan McCarthy's face, basically saying, you know, <laughs> and one more wide, and that's it. Like, he's basically, it looked like, you know, that scenario, kind of, you know, so, but it's great to see the mix. The mix was great, it was perfect. Yeah, down the right yeah, flank yeah. in the first half, they got massive reward. Like if you were to David Ryan at five, McCarthy and Shannon are down that side, they dominated there early. But it was one passage of play to go back to the point you made at the start, Taylor, right? Was that poke out they showed last night where the Waterford boys came one side of the pitch and John Conlon read it and he just popped into that pocket of space, right? And he then he hits an 80 yard down to, to Shannon. Shannon actually hits this ball wide, right? But how in the name of God, right? Whether you're hurling in the 60s, in the 90s, or the 20s, right? Whatever it is, right? How can an inside forward be in 40 yards of space with no defender inside? Is it, like, that's just, it's summed up Waterford probably that passage of play. Like, you cannot have Aaron Shanahan in that pocket with nobody around. You can't. You can, you can understand if a midfielder pops up there or a wing forward, nobody's picking him up and he's made a good run. But Shanahan's an inside forward. Like, that shouldn't be happening. And that summed up Waterford for me the way they were just. They were flat and they were a small bit off. But like, how how much how much of the flatness from Waterford had got to do with we say, particularly I suppose their three main leaders at the moment were probably Gleeson, Barron, and Prunty. Like, and Barron and Prunty were a phenomenal loss, lads. Um, like Prunty is the captain of the team and he has been outstanding at fullback for the last couple of years. And Jamie Barron is the engine in that team now. He's the man that's dragging the, the ball out of the defence and, and hitting into the forward right? and can also score as well. I thought that, you know, a lot of the water players ran into trouble yesterday, ran out of ideas. Um, but like, even the first three that Stephen Bennett missed, I said to myself, he didn't miss hardly anything last year. And it kind of set the tone. And like after 11 minutes, it was seven points to one to Claire. And Claire had hit a good few wides as well. So for some reason... Waterford won that to pitch of the game at the very, very start. And I'm just wondering, uh, had that a lot to do with the players that were missing from an injury point of view? And then the second thing that I noticed is that each one of the subs that came on made a huge contribution. They actually dragged Waterford back into the game. And it's hard to believe in the 69th minute of the game, there was only one goal between the teams and Clare had dominated proceedings up to that point. So... Was there a sense that some of these players that weren't in the starting 15 should have been in the starting 15? Because you know that's from being involved in teams. The players fairly know who the best 15 are or who's going well in training. And I just felt for the, for the first three quarters of the game, there was some bit of a malaise with Waterford just today, which is unexplained. I'm just wondering, the injuries on one side, had they a part of play? And possibly some of the players that came... Like Kieran Bennett not starting for me was, I couldn't believe it, like, because he is your, every day you'll play, Kieran Bennett will give you 8 out of 10 performance. He's not going to be the man of the match, but he's not going to be the first fellow you're taking him off either. He will give you everything. And I couldn't understand that, like, with, with Baron and Prunty out, that Kieran Bennett wasn't in the starting 15. 
wherever he'd be playing. Derek. That, that was just a huge surprise for me yesterday, you know. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's look, like anything, it's debatable, I suppose, in terms of the, the approach. And, and look, we, we, we would have said, even down here, we could say, right, we're picking our four, and it'll probably be, you know, the three Bennett's, Desi Hudson, you know, and P- Peter Hogan had gone well. And I think a lot was based, to be fair, on the Tipperary League game, which is which is a whole different debate as regards, you know, a league form yeah. heading to the championship. But when you look at the Dublin Antrim game as well later on, you know, the kind of debate that might ensue around that. And even if you take that, Prunty went off at half time. Jamie didn't play that match, you know, and it looked like we were kind of, we were, you know, probably basing a lot on what happened in that Tipperary match, rightly so, because Tip came with a packed team and Walford dominated them. So, not to remain unbelievably or unrealistically optimistic, I still, I still think that we will figure our championship, you know, I still think that we will, like, Liam clearly has put a challenge to the players in his interview last night. He kind of basically said, look, a lot of the players didn't perform, etc. So, the expectation is that Three weeks preparation, Prunty back, Jamie back, a little bit of a rejig, fellas maybe perhaps that came off the bench getting their in a possibly an easier qualifier draw when you know without with all due respect to the to Leinster, if you like, that you know, sometimes go back to 08 or go back to 17 when we got to an all-in final, it was always this route. You know, you know, not always, but it was twice. So I think not all is lost. Like if we can, you know, if we can avoid the big guns, I suppose, in in, in the qualifiers, which is often the case. Oh, yeah, Derek, and I, did, I didn't win a match in Munster my three years, and we, we went on great runs every year. We, we didn't quite make the final, but two semis and a, and a replayed quarter final against Kilkenny. You can, once you initially, it's very difficult, I think. But when you have that three weeks, you know, you can let it go down low this week. You can do a good bit of talk, and you could even say, go away and drink a couple of pints and come back to me Wednesday night and, you know, talk about it here. What's wrong here? Why do we come become this team we saw last Sunday? compared to the men of last year. I think that's the kind of thing, you know, I think one of the most telling things from the RTE stats that we, we'd get, lads, is half-time possessions lost, Waterford 22, Clare 12. That's been added, like, really, isn't it? That's been added. That's been wanting the turnover, the chase back, the hook. And that's that's just a state of mind, really, in lots of ways. You could point to personnel. I'd say Prunty, or, well, Jamie Barron, sure, look, has been a brilliant player for so long. Don't get me wrong. But Prunt, the Shanahar team, well, Shanahar... You'd love to see, Les, if he finished a bit better, he could be a monstrosity for Clare. And maybe he'll develop that side of his game a bit more. Like the pass near the end of it, he should never have passed it, should he? He should have gone low to the corner of the shot. But he does cause awful disruption for the opposition. Like, And if you haven't a prunty type there to stop him in the air, it's it's very difficult. Like, go back to that Wexford League game. Uh, Joe Connor couldn't stop him, so they put Matt Joe Handling on him. He's a fair man in the air now. He's been deployed to Mark Joe, Kenning, etc., he couldn't stop him catching it. So if you have a weapon like that and you're missing your main weapon of a fullback that can gobble up those sort of players because he's good in the air and very strong physically, that's a huge loss. And and him coming back would steady the whole defence, uh, to my mind. A big one for me, lads, was being for Clare to be able to play him against Kilkenny and to be able to start him, Colum Galvin. For me, like Jamie Barron missing and Clare having Colum Galvin to start, you know, Two fellas who would have battled it out against each other right back to your time, Davies' time, Derek, in opposition. And those two had some battles back to time, yet we had our man nearly back to full fitness, I would say. Tired in the second half for sure, but I thought in that first 15 minutes when the tone needed to be set, Galvin was really rock solid in the middle. 
Yeah, he's good and he's got great presence, Anthony. You've alluded to it. He's got and he has the ability that and I think Colin Malone as well did it well. And going back to mm. allowing Conlon to do their job, to do what they did yesterday. Like I think they were key to that. They, they kind of, you know, you know, making a seven two tactical. They were they were like like basically they nearly had six midfielders, I suppose, you know, to allow Conlon yeah. up, you know, to sit if you like. And I think Galvin is vital in that and he, he's cool, you know. I don't know him now at all, the chap, but over the years even Played a really good challenge match against Clare in 17 in, in Torles, actually. Donald Maloney and Jerry O'Connor's team. And he dominated that game. I remember we, they gave us a fair trim in the, uh, ahead of the championship game against Cork in 17. And, you know, um, he's a good player, a really good player. And as you said, like, after that set against Darrell Lyons, who's a really good con player, right? And the, and the experience of, of Jamie being missing against it. So it's, uh, yeah, look, he's, he's, he's an undoubted presence for there. Yeah. And um, that's obviously it was a huge talking point with um, Shane McNulty getting um, his marching orders for ten minutes. Um, yellow carded, uh, yellow card with the with the sin bin, and the penalty being awarded for Shanahan's run and fo- definitely fouled. Whether he was fouled, the advantage was given. He put it wide. Um, there was a certain amount of confusion in the studio. I would have thought. And uh, the way they debated at half time and last night then the two lads. You no, know, I was in the middle of trying to uh, get out a busy crowd here out of Morty Browns with no masks on them coming in and out. Get up, put on your mask if you're going to the toilet. And but I did try and go out and, and tune in and Brendan Brendan Cummins seemed to be very definite on, on where he saw it. So what what did you think, TJ? I know from our WhatsApp page, the three of us that you, you slightly differed to we Yeah, I like I, I was definitely of the opinion straight away that it wasn't a penalty. I thought it certainly was, he should have gone back for the free when he missed the chance. I thought the referee did well to let it go and let him have the opportunity to shoot. But for me, no way in the world was it a penalty. Now, we're then going to the rule book, reading that rule book to see what does the rule book say. But for me, to give a penalty, a yellow card, and a 10-minute sin bin, no way was that merit in that situation. I didn't has the rule changed, TJ? The rule has changed. We know that. And we saw the rule last night. But... Like, from where he was, like, uh, my reading of the rule is, right, is, yeah, when he swings the hurley, when he's inside, it's 21. But it has to be a clear and obvious goal-scoring chance. And for me, that wasn't there. So, for me, it wasn't a penalty. I thought it was very harsh on Waterford. I didn't think the referee had a good game. I thought he missed some clear and obvious stuff, more obvious than that. I thought it was a poor start. Like, the, the blatant one that we'll all remember is John Conlon's wild swing there in front of Lohan right at the finish. How the referee missed that is beyond me. And I didn't think he had a great game. And I didn't think it was a penalty. Okay. Okay. Mark, you, yeah, well, I, well, we, I, I we, thought it was, once it was explained, I thought it was. Well, we, we debated this long and hard now with Fergal Hogan, right? And the biggest debate came up about if, if a player was fouled out by the sideline. And I, I remember that it should be like a soccer pitch that you should line it that once you get into a certain stage inside the 21-yard line and coming near the goals, there needs to be an extra line there to say, you know, if he's inside this square, we know where the semicircle is, he's inside that, and it's a clear goal scoring chance, it is a penalty because, or an assignment out by the sideline, it is not a clear goal scoring opportunity. But when I was watching it live on the television, the minute... Um, Shanahar turned Shane Fives and he had a clear look at the goals as far as I was concerned I said there's a goal chance here is what I felt in my own head 
You go back to Caleb Lines last year. He came in at the same angle against Cork and he dropped the ball because he went he went towards the end line and he you know he made the angle that narrower for himself, but he got the goal from it. But my whole thing was I felt it, the minute he turned him, there was a goal opportunity on. And it was careless use of the hurley. He was inside the 21. That's the penalty all day long. And as Fergal Hawkins said, we'll make the decisions. We know our job. We are the referees. And the other debate about it, right, and what I want to put it out, is the fact that uh, there was nothing shut up on the RT screen that there was uh, a team down to 14 players. There was no clock, stop clock up either, counting down to 10 minutes, which I'd like to see as well, because we were just wondering when is he going to be coming back on and stuff. But I think we could improve the whole thing around the Sinbin scenario. And even the commentators, I'd have to say, didn't even know that he was going off as well. So we made that point as well to Fergal Horgan. That Fergal, you ha- and I would be a big believer, there should be a black card issued. And I'd say it's hurling versus football, that the hurling referees don't want to be seen, seen the same as football. But I think there should be a black card shown. And I also think that the black card should show up on the, the RT television or whatever television you're watching, and whoever's showing it, that it is, there is a sin bin for a black cat. Yeah, I'd agree with most of what you'd say there, Mark. Um, I think there should be some countdowner for the 10 minutes because <laughs> for a viewer, it, it adds to the intrigue that we're still on 14 min leads. They can't show forward. Or I think that would be a big help. And I know Joanne Cantwell there watches or listens to the show at least, whether she watches it now, I don't know. Could be listening on the car, Joanne, but might be a suggestion. Um that, that we could RT could introduce. I think it'd be no harm. I, I, I do think it'd be a big help. Um Derek, I had a few complaints on social media from all of our people to know what did I think of it. And I didn't really go because they obviously thought it wasn't the penalty, it wasn't the sending off. So I didn't really go arguing with them. I just said Claire were the better team, I suppose, with what they yeah. missed and everything. So maybe that stopped the arguments. But well, not much controversy down there, much talk. No, no, and, and I'd be fairly tuned into what's happening here locally. You know, I mean, we had a couple of drinks last night, actually, a few of the lads, and we were just talking about it. It wasn't even the, wasn't even the kind of the, the topic of conversation, to be honest with you. You know, it, 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 what dominated the thought process or conversation was more, we just weren't at it, you know, today and that kind of stuff. And, you know, so, so my own opinion, I didn't think it was a penalty either. I didn't think it was a goal-scoring opportunity because I, I think they're covering defenders. A side issue, I think the manner in which Kelly takes the penalty off his left hand and tucks it down to the right of the keeper, the skill itself to be able to do it, I think Henry mentioned it there after the game, it's some skill to be able to do that, to be able to hit the ball at the force he did off your left down to the right of the keeper, you know, because, you know, most people probably think you go across the keeper off your left there, to be able to kind of get the power he did. Billy Nolan would actually be a very good penalty taker, or penalty stopper down here, saver. We'd be... We'd fancy him as in regards to penalties, but it reminded me of Gilligan's goal actually in '98. I was a sub in '98. Uh, Anthony, thank God I didn't get on that semi final plane. I wouldn't get on or finally after <laughs> what was after happening at the start of the game, and I didn't get on, thank God. But uh, Gilligan's game in '98, and Paul Fling got a brilliant goal actually against TJ in 2001, I think, off his left down to that corner um, in Parky Cueve as well. That, that skill, I think, was was well highlighted by Henry, but it's, it was some penalty, some penalty, unstoppable actually. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have Dello. to talk about a good bit of this as the year goes on, TJ. Um, can, can I just, just, just go on, yeah, no, before, yeah, yeah. before you go away from the sin bin there, right? If mm. Shanahar scored the goal, 
right? So when the advantage was allowed, if he knocks that ball, what you're going to say, TJ? <laughs> is, is, is it still a sin bin? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Um, and that's, that's the thing. Question, but of course, TK comes up and scores the penalty. Now we would expect him to, and and the TJ yeah. Reeds and the Joe Cannings, but from the other side of it, if if Billy, as Derek has alluded to, is a great penalty saver and saves it. You get no real advantage, you know, uh, for for the foul. So I suppose that's the balancing you know, act. But Dale, to be fair to TJ's point, right, is that if if Shanahan had scored the goal, there would have been no free allowed, right? Would column lines have went back and booked Shane Fives and put him in the sin bin? No, he could have I'd booked him. No, I think, but I don't think he could book him and send him off. I'm right on that. I think will Johnny Ryan will tell us fairly out in the day anyway. He'll let me know. Johnny keeps an eye on those rules wise. But yeah, like I think there's an anomaly there, you know. That's um yeah. yeah, should it be still a yellow card? But I think really Correct. it's because the penalty may be saving or maybe saved that the other punishment is there to, to add to that. But look, we've seen an awful lot of these penalties being nailed now as well. Um would you say, TJ, it'd be the first real test of Liam Cahill's management? Yeah, no, he's had tests at underage level. But like last year kind of went fairly well in that, played really well in the Munster final. Um, brilliant win then against Kilkenny. Um, having won their quarterfinal easily against Clare. And in the final, we all kind of just went Limerick. Just That was the best Limerick we've seen possibly since John Kiley took over in the All Ireland final. Um, so is, is this a big ask for him now? Um, I thought they finished with enough to tell me that there was, look, there was plenty of stuff in these guys. They didn't throw in the towel. The game wasn't going their way. Do you know what I mean? They found themselves a long way in arrears. Like, I think there was a share of inevitability shortly after halftime that Waterford weren't going to win this game. But I liked the way they went about the last quarter. They won it, what, nine points to four. I think if they got that free there and brought it back to two, they're rising to death. Yeah, they would have been running out of time. But to me, there was enough there to say that I think they'll be okay. Yeah, it's a challenge for Liam Cahill and, and, and Mikey Beavens. I think the, the piece that they'll have to work out is in the first part of the game when Clare shut up shop right and situated Conlon and Colum Gallagher where they had him situated and the Waterford players kind of got caught and it ended up with Daryl Lyons just being in those two minds where he just bounced the ball he didn't know whether to move it in or pass it on that's the piece that they're going to have to fix right obviously with Jamie Barron and some of the other guys back it will definitely help but when a team sits the way they did and shut off completely Desi and shut off Shane Bennett that's the piece that Waterford have to fix. That's why Ozzy, the opportunities presented themselves there. If they had more shooters, maybe around the middle of the field, would it have suited Waterford? So that's more of the challenge for him. I think the guys will be fine. I saw enough in the team and in the players to say you will get a response. Hmm. And he, Mark, you know, he had a few setbacks uh, in Munster before with when he was with the Tip Twenties and, and minors, and, and managed to come around and beat. You know what I mean? Like, remember the Cork minor team that couldn't really be beaten, we thought, or 20 team, was it? Was it minor right. 20? The Cork, no, yeah, we, they were hot they hammered yeah. them in the months of final and they turned it around. So. That's right. That's right, yeah. Oh, look, I'd be 100% behind Cahill being able to um, get this Waterford team going again. Um, I, I do think that the Prunty and Down were huge losses to them yesterday. Uh, when they have a full panel of players back and they look at the mistakes and the errors they made, and still to think that there were only three points down, having been outplayed for most of the game, you'd have to take an awful lot of half in that. And the fact that they're getting, a, I think there's a three-week break 
to the next round. They're probably the only team that's going to get a three-week break yeah. to the next championship match. So, like, if you were Liam Cahill and Mickey Bevins and the players in Waterford, they'll they take their, take their uh, beat now and a couple of days and let it, let it go out because there's other, there's other matches on next week now. They'll be forgotten about for another three weeks mm. until they get back. They'll see the draw. They'll be looking forward to it. You know, if they if they will get one of the, I suppose, the so-called handier draws in it, they'll be eyeing up a long, I think, um, a long stint in this championship, just Anthony. Um, but like the one, I was Shane Bennett yesterday for me, I thought, tried fierce hard and didn't achieve a whole pile. He got blocked and stopped on a number of occasions when he looked like one more step would have set him free. I thought he could have been brought to centre forward or half forward at any stage during the game because I thought his efforts were really good. He was trying his damnedest. And, and it highlighted he had a goal-scoring opportunity at the end of the game and Connolly came out of nowhere to block it. And he did get the shot mm. off. But like Shane Bennett has the pace to trouble a lot of defenders. Uh, he wouldn't have the same skill as what I suppose Tony Kelly had. Tony's very light on his feet. But Shane Bennett, to me, if he gets open road, he can, he can, he can, I think, hurt a lot of teams. I thought he could have been afforded the opportunity at some stage to free him up a little bit. So I think there's plenty in that water team. They didn't get to the Munster final in an All Ireland final out of nothing. The one thing that did surprise me is the amount of changes that they had. That even when they announced it before the game, that they're only eight. I think at last year's All Ireland final team. That's a big turnaround in players left in a short period of time. Um, and, and I think Stephen O'Keefe. You know, was probably missing goals. Well, even though Billy Nolan didn't do a whole pile wrong, you know, I can see the one goal for penalty. But O'Keefe is, I think, is a bit of a last leg, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think Jackie even said that last night. It was nearly, it was when it came up, it flashed up that yeah. there's only eight of the All Ireland team starting. It's good. I think even Jackie could see his reaction last night. It was really even in Kilkenny if that had happened and we were streets yeah, ahead of everyone else with pressure. Like, so. Your, your goalkeeper, yeah. your fullback, your centre back, and your midfielder. Straight up the yeah. middle, despite your team. That's yeah. the other not a lot of good men to replace. Like and Derek, and there was a lot of expectation on Shane Bennett as you as you touched on. And like I'd say Connor Cleary is one of the most underestimated players in the country. Yeah. Connor Cleary yeah. seldom lets Claire down, doesn't get the credit he deserves, I think. And he wasn't going to make it easy for him. Like a lot of talk that back Shane Bennett for men of the match, I was hearing from some people. Uh, clearly, clearly, he's never going to let him let him have an easy day like that. He's a, he's a, yeah. he's a to- my, tough, my, tight, tenacious defender. Like I said, and Marco had pinpointed him as one of our uh, players to follow for the year. But anyway, he'll have another day. Derek, what I was going to ask there is the injuries. Is there a strong possibility that they'll be fine for three weeks time? And the word is that they will, without being you know without being quoted. I suppose yeah. you know. I think the general feeling is that they'll be there are muscle injuries you know i think quad injuries to jamie and, and to, to connor like so the hope would be that they'd be, they'd be okay you know like that that's that's the word on on the ground if you like but it's uh yeah and i think it's ideal without repeating what you've just said it's, it's an ideal scenario three weeks i i still would hang my hat on water being in a semi-final of an all-earning final I, I still think they will be like one of the last four standing when it comes to it i think there's a there's a lot in the team i think the the optimism, as I keep saying, maybe came from we had used a lot of players in the league and we had kind of gone for key matches in the league against Limerick, against you know against Tipperary, where we we kind of really went for those matches in the league. I think that's and and, and that's where the optimism came from, you know. And we kind of we felt we solved the problem of Austin was at six against Galway, didn't go well, so we went back to Ireland at six. 
Austin on the wing. Austin was bombing forward against him. Caleb Lyons on the other wing. You know, we felt that we kind of had solved the issues. And I'd say, I'd say what you'll see the next day is you'll see a very kind of angry Waterford team and a team that will go about their business now in the manner, you know, they'll be the proactive boys. And I don't think you'll see Caleb in, in the full back line again this year. You'll see him at wing back or even midfield and you'll see them driving forward. And I think you'll see them mixing their game as well. You know, you'll see them maybe... You know, there was a lot of talk that would have been involved when I was involved. We were as well that they were kind of a running team, and they are very good at that short game, giving goals and you know, keeping the ball in possession and that. But I see you'll see a mix to getting it into Desi and the boys a little bit earlier, even as well at times. You know, giving them the opportunity to to um, you know to get and to get on ball and, and, and make things happen if you like. But uh, I I'd be very confident that we can we can re refix and no better boys involved at management level to, to be able to fix that as well. Yeah, and. Um... I'd say a big worry for whoever in Leinster comes out on that water for draw. I'd say you could be meeting a, a seriously wounded animal. And uh, yeah, look, lads, that's, I mean, you can't clear her out again next Sunday. So it's it's a quick turnaround uh, to the Gaelic grounds against against all rivals' tips. So I won't be um, crowing too much about Clare, but I just do want to say um, we were on this show the morning after the Antrim League game, you know, and there was a lot of talk about division and Clare and that kind of thing. And I'll tell you, there's no real division in Clare. You know, everyone in Clare Hurland is 99% behind Brian Lohan, or 99% of Clare Hurland yeah. is behind Brian yeah. Lohan. 99.9, I'd say. And But Brian still had to put up a lot of bullshit in the two years he's been in there now. So, mark of the man, again, that, you know, weathered the storm, and he now has, he has those players eaten out of his hand. And I think, Derek, you touched on it as well with John Conlon's thing. He, he was open to his players, you know, suggestion, suggesting how he'd improve the setup, and I think the proof of the pudding is in the eating and, and fair play. And I'd back them again this weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, delighted for him and his backroom team. Yeah. They've all worked yeah. so hard um, under tough circumstances, I would say. And plenty yeah. of old trolls on Facebook and Twitter cutting him, cutting the legs from under him after Belfast. Silent men again this evening. Yeah. And just even, Anthony, on a, pers- on a personal level, I remember when, when he was UL manager and Stephen Bennett would have been down there and the support, you know, at that level when he was involved with Fitzgibbon for Stephen to be able to mix and match studies and hurling and, and, and life in general, like, it was very evident when I was manager now in terms of Stephen's progression. You know, it would have been, boys would have been very fond of him. You know, you just know by the, by, by the when you, you converse with Stephen, not that you'd be saying to Stephen, what's Brian Lohan like, but you just know by the way he was treated as a student in UL that... Um, and, and no, the same is. with Liam Cahill. And we're, we're not defined by results, Derek. It's more yeah, yeah. that story, what you were after telling there, yeah, that he was yeah, a good guy yeah. for a lad like Stephen to deal with yeah, yeah. in a college, a good bit away from home. You know, yeah, yeah. He could say, come here, here's your family here in UL, the GA yeah, club, yeah. we look after you. And, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's the market. And boy, you'd have that from Liam as well, I've no doubt. And yeah, no doubt. this result won't be defined mm-hmm. him either. And all the good guys in the championship, you know, that's, they're, they're doing their best and, and, and it's tough. It's not easy. Not everybody can win. Oh, what you touched on there, Dale, was a bit like a line from Love Hate. There's always rats, Dale, and there's always rats. I presume the, chair, the chairman and the secretary of the Clare County Board were the first fellas up to congratulate Brian yesterday, Dale, in the dressing room as well, were they? I was above in the front room trying to watch it away from the crowd here in the pub, Mark. I don't, I don't know who. Is there a dressing room involved even? I, I'm wondering at the moment. Are you She's still right. the stand yeah. at Torlis, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you look, there, there seems to be a clear gap between the management and the county board, so I don't know. Um, my, my old ally in the whole thing would be the Doc Quinn. The Doc is still in the line, by since our day. 
in and out right. and looking after lads and what a man Parry Quinn is like, you know. So look, he'd be a great man to bridge any gaps that'll be there. But look, I'd say Brian doesn't mind at this stage. He's driving on. Um, there's good support there now with Club Clare and um, they'll they'll drive on now, I think, and uh, looking forward to this Sunday and hopefully a great performance again. What it brings, we don't know. Not a vintage weekend, lads, uh, I suppose, in terms of the games. I suppose it wasn't a classic yesterday by any means either. Uh, TJ, you refer to maybe stop, start a bit. I thought Colin Lines maybe was, oh, he thought he was okay. I thought he was okay. The penalty is the controversial bit. I thought he might have got that right. The games on, on, on Saturday, lads, I was in Nolan Park doing the co-commentary. Um, great to see a few spectators back, lads. Do you know, and it was only the few, and I was even saying it in the old column this morning, just just to walk out of the grounds, even unlike the All-Ireland final last year, I mean, which is, you know, you'd always expect to be good for your own All-Ireland final, even if it was a, a closed-off house that you'd meet, but you didn't, like, you came out of Crow Park last year and you were walking up the street, like, my day's work done or whatever, and you were going off trying to get a taxi back to the hotel or whatever, and you met no one to talk, and then Dublin can lend itself to that as well, but walking out of Nolan Park, of course, which is nearly the epicentre of Hurling, lots of it is in the country, the leash crowd were kind of coming out my gate, and of course, like, just stopping up, chit-chatting, and I presume they were nearly all mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, so you have to be very careful what you said, but there was just an annoyance level that they were playing deep. But that's for me, this passive min back is murder. Like, I mean, like every time Leash got a score, Mark Fenning was able to pick up his head and pick out a Wexford man 60, 70 yards out from his own goal. It was incredible to watch. And an awful lot of time, that was Rory O'Connor, that was Lee Chin, Yes, Leash had nine men behind the ball at all times, but sure, they were just at nothing. And I, I, it has to be a bit like what Clare were at, like the system, free up John Conlon, but everyone else has to be like shit to a blanket in terms of marking your man and not giving your man space. I'm, I'm, I'm disillusioned with this attacking from defence mode that's overtaken your defensive duties. And I think it's wrecking teams. I think... Antrim might have been caught in a different kind of a time mark that they felt it was going to happen because of what happened in the league for them. And they would play as good as they did against Clare and Wexford again. And, and Dublin yeah. stepped it up from league to championship where Antrim did, nearly went down. I think that can happen. But what Leash were at for me now, they have had their problems. They've lost four or five great lads at the injuries and they can't afford to be without them. That's the bottom line. The pool is, is smaller, but... God, was no system to watch. And I suppose just being there gives you a better feel for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a long road. And you know what the funny thing is? They could rally now for two weeks' time and play out of their skin for 170 minutes and all of Antrim's progress could nearly be kicked back down the can, back down to Joe McDonough, which for me would be a travesty of justice, but it could happen. could happen, yeah. Um, Dale, touch on two things there. First of all, to talk about the crowd. I think we need... Um, a change from the GAA. I think somebody in this country needs to stand up, whether it be for hotels or pubs or games. Like we're seeing what's going on all over Europe in the Euros. Like we know, I'm not a scientist, but reading everything that's gone on for the last 12 months or a year and a half, like our country was as good as any of them. Like the antigen testing, these rapid tests for people to go to matches. We have four big locations in Torres yesterday. You've got two stands and you have two terraces, right? Like we can easily put bigger crowds in there. I think it's time for someone to make a move here. Someone needs to lead the charge. There's stuff going on. And like, if we keep doing what we're doing and keep playing by whatever these Nefford guys are telling us and I have to bow to their expertise, we're going to be back in a hole again in the winter. We're not going to get out of it. We need, we, we need to push on now. I, I'd be a big advocate 
is that we need two, three, four, five, ten thousand of these games over the coming weeks in order to push on. But that's one problem. The second thing, which talking about the game plans and the way people are setting up, like right, there's a couple of things in in hurling. The use and the transfer of ball is key. The intensity and the pressure is key as well, right? And obviously the ability and the class and that quality. They're all the things that are playing into teams at the moment. I thought it was evident in, in, in the two games. Uh, Dublin ruled the sky there with Sutcliffe and Crummy. It was a kind of a, an old-fashioned route, but they were brilliant in the air. I thought Wexford just, oh, just went after them with their game plan. They're used to their ball. They were very focused, just well-drilled, well-organised. But there was a difference in class and quality as well in both games. There was, but... You go back to when Cheddar had the team previously. Now, maybe it's a step too far going back again for Cheddar now after Eddie and all that. But I remember like being at their, you know, Leinster quarterfinals and maybe even a semi-final one year, like having Galway on the rack, like and really having them, like after seven, eight minutes uh, against Wexford, you're saying, oh, no, this is going to be a long afternoon on commentary. And Dara, Ferris Dara Maloney was really on the ball and we still managed to kind of keep it going. Um, but... Yeah, you, you you saw nothing really, and uh, Derek, you'd have been you'd have been involved there a little bit with their minors and that. Is, is there better players? Is it just a lack of resources? Is it no, just players disillusioned with the way the Eddie thing fell out? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe all of the above, but I don't know. To be honest with you, and I sort of speculate. What I would say is, I suppose that Eddie himself played with a very defensive system, but the defensive system with John Lennon sweeping, I suppose, it, it was kind of propelled to kind of. You know, to be the right thing to do because of the result against Dublin in a, in a, in a, in a quarter final in, in Port Leash, and then and then a, a reasonable performance against Tip in, in Crow Park, if you like. You know, it's very hard. I think TJ's point is well made in terms of the quality. If you even look at the Ross King goal against Tip in, in, in the quarter final two years ago, right? Brendan Maher actually comes out and he runs over the ball. Ross King gets in. He's the only guy inside the 50 yard line, right? So the, the, I suppose the. The assertion is now that Leash only had one guy inside in the forwards. You know, is that not the same as Aaron Gillan and Shane Flanagan being inside? It's the quality. Like it's, you know, it's, in many ways, I would argue that most teams are actually trying to do the same thing. They're actually nearly trying to either I say one or two inside. Shanahan and Kelly yesterday, for instance, next week you'll see you might see Graham Mulcahy and, and, and Gillan and our Graham Mulcahy come out the field. They'll all be back the field. They'll transfer the ball, the pace, the quality, etc. What the point you're making, I suppose, Anthony, is that is it a time for a leash or, or, or a team on the outside that mightn't have the quality to come with something different and go back maybe more traditional, long ball in, get a big man in on the edge of the square, come with something different and maybe not trying ticky-tacky, if you like, for want of a better phrase, like like some of the other teams are doing. It's it's Your point is, well, you look at the Rex, Wexford are down the road three or four years, five years into the way they play. They do it at a greater pace and they have a more quality player and that's not disparaging to leash in any way. You know, so I, I really don't know how to answer the question other than say that if you have a sitting defender or seven like John Conlon yesterday, for instance, right? Paul Flanagan then is tight, touch tight, aggressive on Dizzy Hudson, or Rory Hayes is aggressive on Shane Bennett, and they are aggressive, they are up and at it. Dermot Ryan can go because they have the luxury of Conlon and they have the boys in front of him. And I think, you know, I just think there's a there's a gap there, lads. I just think there's a gap, and I don't know how you'd bridge that gap, to be honest with you. You, know, you might bridge it in one-off performances, but sustaining sustaining it over a period, I just don't know. Like, Derek, the modern teams, like, playing a sweeper, we all know how effective that can be. 
but they're so good at using the ball. Wexford use of the ball, Limerick's use of the ball, the good teams. Yeah. They just mind and transfer that ball so well now, right? Yeah. They, 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 they can chop around a sweeper or even a double sweeper very smartly. Yeah, Jesus, lads, yeah. this is not what I'm talking about at all here now. I'm talking yeah. about playing 10 defenders and conceding okay, yeah. 531. Okay. There was no like, defending like going went, on. No defending. If they went 15 on 15, Anthony, and you can they wouldn't see have conceded 531. 531. No, no. What Keller would be saying afterwards is, Why, I told you before the game we should have packed the defence with there was no way we were going to concede 531. So it is totally backfired. But I, the only time I've seen this really badly happening was actually when I was involved with Cork against Derek's team in Waterford, where Waterford would have withdrawn a number of players back and probably left maybe four up front versus six defenders. And I yeah. thought long and hard about it after, discussed it with a couple of fellas. What we found was that the six players never took responsibility for the four other forwards. And what we should have done is pinpointed the four defenders to map their four forwards, and you actually then did have two fellas that were playing in a loose in a loose role, which is exactly what Claire did yesterday. All the defenders mapped their men tight, and John Connan happened to be freed up. So that to me was what we didn't learn actually between the league match with Teddy and Derek and the championship match afterwards is that we didn't match the four fellas up front, even though they kept moving around. The six backs kind of more like, ah, should Jesus, six of us will mind the four between us, like. But there yeah, was yeah. no one took the responsibility to mind the actual physical player. And I think that had a lot to do with it. But like the first clip last night in the Sunday game showed the 15 players from Leash back behind their own 45 yard line. And they said, so no wonder, so the ball is going to be bombed down to the forward end. It's going to break on a number of occasions and scores are going to happen. And if you have good quality, like, like Conor McDonald was outstanding yesterday, Rory O'Connor was standing yesterday, 1-7 and 2-4. When you have players like that and they get a half a chance, they're going to nail you every time. That's the bottom. Yeah, but Derek's point is well made. Are you saying that Clare nearly were a little bit... We're not going to take on Waterford in that middle section, right? We're going to play with two up top. We're happy to bomb ball down on top of Aaron Shanahan. They did exactly get the man marking right. And they did, like Clare's system was a little defensive, but we're not really talking about it as much because they won the game. It was a very yeah. effective defensive system. Yeah, yeah, but they did yeah. they come with something a bit different. But right? well, TJ, you have Aaron Shanahan and Tony Kelly. They're the out. Like you can hit a ball from the back line to Shanahan. Any way you like it, he doesn't mind. And then when you have a fella like Tony Kelly who's going to be shooting around the place, he takes an awful lot of attention from the defenders as if we can't afford to leave these two boys. So naturally, I think some of the Waterford players were sitting back and trying to cut out the ball going into them. I know. But what Derek said there is you, you could easily pick a point in the game yesterday where Claire had their six backs, Carl Malone, Cullum Galvin all in their own defensive space, right? So they could have had eight or nine players, right? Even Aidan McCarthy yeah. might have been back there, right? So the point Derek's making there about a lot of teams are trying to do the same thing. The key thing for Clare yesterday was they did have an out ball and they did have a system that they all bought into. They all knew and were very, very, very well prepared. And they just came with something a little bit different that maybe threw on for the early doors yesterday. And I think that's the point that Derek was playing about. Rather than Leash trying to do the same as Wexford, the point is, you got to maybe come with something different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Paul Flanagan didn't stand back, lads. He shoved out and marked his man. Yeah. That's why you saw yeah. John Conlon yeah. popping up as almost cornerback, fullback. Yeah, yeah. Whereas exactly. the leash, lads. This is a, I'm not being hard on leash, lads. I know how hard 
the league has been for them. I know the, the injuries they've had and they're only a couple of lads coming back for their first game. I've not been hurting them at all. And we're all mad about Cheddar, man. The enthusiasm. You meet Cheddar, you'd love to talk hurling for the rest of your life, sure. It's just the amount of lads that were back, but marking no one. If it came to them from a hand pass or something, they would hit it. And there was no real method in that either because there was no one up. But they, they just didn't tackle the Wexford guy, you know? They didn't engage the Wexford player. And for me, that 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 just can't happen. And that's not too difficult to get right. Getting yeah. the depth and quality right, 100%, TJ. But yeah. getting that bit where you just, you number 10, Wexford, Paul Morris, you number 11, Lee Chin, you get him and stay with him. You know, and then yeah. the pockets are harder to find and all that. So, yeah, look, it, it was a, it was a big beat in 531. There was a definite emphasis, lads, on going for goals. And, Mark, I just had to pop out for a second there to get a, a, a power lead there to keep this laptop going. So, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Daly has played a stormer here in the background. Yeah, and we're back. Um, I, I, I talked with the wash machine. You were plugging in there on the background because you had a lot of glasses to uh, wash the yellow half of the weekend. Still up and five twenty ten or eleven on the Clare football team trying to get in outside the window. Okay. <laughs> but no, um, five twenty eight and Wexford's total came from play. Even with that defensive system, well, five twenty eight. Three freeze, three freeze. Three freeze. Yeah, five twenty eight. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, and like to go on for goals. That's the boys looked at it last night, but it was definite at the time. So obviously, doing like Chin certainly could have popped the one he put across. Uh, was it for? Uh, Carl Dunbar to score like that was a tap over point always um, but Jack O'Connor as well in but one it was a point probably if you wanted but there was a, an emphasis on going in I liked an awful lot of what I saw from Wexford in terms of enthusiasm you touched on it Mark there Connor McDonald lads looked like a lad that was as hungry as lean as I'd play anywhere do you know um, don't maybe leave me inside in the two let me out in the wing and he he thrived High ball, low ball, took his goal superbly. Do you know, I, they're not, if they, they're getting back towards 19 form, I think, and we base an offer right. on the league, lads, and even go back to that Watford tip game. Tip were no more at it in that game. Half expecting to meet him in a few weeks' time. And also, like, the Cork Limerick game. We'll, and we'll be looking forward to that in a couple of minutes. That Cork Limerick game in the league will tell you about as much about Sunday or Saturday night as you'll, you'll never know because it wasn't, it wasn't related to it. You know, so I think some of those league games, there was the odd league game you could pick out. And from a Waterford going forward point of view, I would have said the Limerick game. They really yeah. were, you know, Limerick were at it, are always at it. So that was a great one for them to, to bring forward with them. Um, but yeah, didn't, not much to learn there, but Davey will be... Would he, should he stay in the box, lads? Definitely. <laughs> not just because there'll be a few antics on the sideline missing, no. Um, but like... He seemed very calm. He said to me the last time that he was suspended, remember the Jason 14? He said to me, I tell you, yeah. I nearly prefer it up there, Della. You can see more and you can sit back and judge it. But of course, the dilemma is, lads, that you're below and there's a Cody below, like, and Cody's like the presence of him alone. And if, you, if you're feeling you're not down there to kind of match him, if you know what I mean? But you're letting yeah. your own lads down a bit. But you're kind of ducking. Yeah. You know? I don't. I don't think the game was a good test for that Delo either because it was comfortable from early doors, so it was easy to be relaxed in the box. Like whereas, yeah, going down the stretch, six seven minutes to go, game in the melting pot. David might feel that he's worth a pint or a free maybe to his team on the sideline. 
Yeah. Uh, look, for me, maybe for me, which is small at the moment, yeah, maybe. He, he'd, prob- he'd probably have a bit more influence with the small crowds at the moment. But I don't think a manager has any major influence on the sideline with 70 or 80,000 people because you can't hear what the manager is saying in the sideline at all, like, you know. So, like, to me, uh, look, but Davy gets into the games probably a bit more than, I know we all like seeing the antics in the sideline, but it's all a sideshow at the end of the day. You know, if he can concentrate more on the game above the box from his own point of view and deliver three or four key messages during the course of the game and being camera about it, I think that betters, it betters your team and betters your, betters your chance of winning. Marco, do, do you want to give him a ring and, and have a chat with him about it? No, not particularly. Dale will give you his number, Dave. Do you want to give him a buzz? Yeah. I don't know if Dale has got his number, has he? <laughs> I, have, I have. I have indeed. Derek, the last time he was going back. A big time she followed on and up. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> the last time he invited you to the book launch, was that his second book that he launched? Did you go to that I one? Know, I, don't know. I was training that night. I know. If it was something you were going back into, which a lot of people would speculate that you probably would go back into at some stage, inter-county manager, would you consider that? I often thought if Jim Gavin had done it, he would have changed it for everyone. He'd probably still have won that particular yeah. Ireland, whichever one he sat in to stand for. Yeah, look, I think even on the Davy one, I think he might he might mix and match going forward. He might he might decide to come down for a second half. I know Stephen Rochford used to do that a lot with Mayo, or you know, to play, you know, if your team is up and running, there's no need for you to be down. I'd agree with Mark in that you have very actually little influence. You know, early on, I I was never I was never wired up even on the sideline. You know, I was never I never had the the earpiece. I always yeah. felt if I I was getting too much information, I. I my head was gone, you know, as, as the bull field would say down here on Wharf, my head was melted, you know, with, with information as far as what, what was coming into your head. So I, I um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, again, it depends on your, your seven or eight points down in Welsh Park in a league game and you're stuck up in the middle of a stand, I can tell you. And you're listening to it. You know, it's it depends, yeah, you, can, you know, it depends on the facilities that are available. In, in, you know, Croker is grand and, I think Davey had his own personalised box in Wexford Park there for for years as regards, you know, the, the soundproofing. And not that it would bother you, but, you know, you can... I think that's... that's. But in terms of being an influential figure on the line, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's applicable anymore, you know, as regards just the whole thing. Maybe more so with the Mayor Fernand on now where you see, for instance, you see Mikey Beavens on the other side of the field with, with Waterford Jester, you see... You see, uh, uh Sullivan probably be on, on the other side of the field this weekend or near Kieran Kingston doing the water, and they're all wired up. But uh, I'd consider it, I suppose. But you'd only be doing it for the, for the right reasons, you know. I, 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 Cody always says, I suppose, when they're in between the white lines, you can't influence it. I think you can have an influence, but I don't think the I think the influence is overplayed in the media over the years as regards, you know. Yeah, I think what you're trying to say is you're kind of say I'd imagine Carl turns around to Beavens or, or yesterday is kind of saying. Uh, Caelan or, or Kelly's gone to full back or Kelly's gone to full forward. You, you're just being informed of all the different things and then it takes a life of its own after that in many ways, you know? You need your yeah. you need your on-field managers tuned in, don't you? The, the leaders exactly. and the fellas were all good exactly. that way. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's where the Burke now was massive for Waterford. He, 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 those of you have met him, he's a lovely chap, like, but he, he's so quiet, like it's unbelievable. Once he's on the field, totally different operator as regards organisation and, and presence, you know? Well, it'll be interesting to see what um, plan of attack Davy comes up with for, for Mr. Cody and the Cats the weekend. Uh, the Dubs um, made light work of Antrim, lads. Uh, 
you predicted here on the show last this day fortnight um anyone who was listening there was fellas sending texts back but you didn't say anything minus four points you said nothing i said do you not remember what we talked about like last monday week um at dublin with a bit to spare um and it was a nice bit to spare let well, I think you were saying that they were one to ten about three months ago, and then they were going to go one to four. So, which, which uh, that somebody else did signify that there was a there was a big swell behind Antrim and stuff like that. But I did get to the end by saying I think Dublin would win it. But our yeah. colleague from Limerick, I think, was very happy to go for Antrim, if memory serves me right. Yeah, and our and our other colleague on the day um, from Belna Hinch. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was all about the, the Antrim cousins, and it was something special happening up there. And Darren was his old teammate as well. So, TJ, you 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 fairly summed it up well. Jeez, Danny Sutter was back to his best of of, of the mid part of the last decade, wasn't he? You know, and oh, it was only a first round quarter final in Leinster, but he was he it was a dominant Sutcliffe display. What I said in the paper today was that. The interim players seemed to me not to realise there was a step up to championship. And, yeah. and if you look at it, the one man who did probably mean McManus, who's been around yeah. the block and would have played in Leicester before, he he delivered a six point from midfield display, like well, maybe playing as a deep centre forward with 14 and he's back. But a lot of the rest of them didn't seem to sense that this would be different than a Corrigan Park type atmosphere. And and everyone expected that Navin would suit them as well. But the dubs were, were really ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the stuff we've discussed here already is definitely coming into play again. Matty Kenny in the league, I'd say he didn't get excited about it. He knew exactly where his target was. And I think, again, all the things apply. The use and transfer of the ball, their game plan, the intensity, the pressure they put on, and again, the bit of class. I like Dublin's setup. Ronan Hayes is a brilliant focal point to full forward. Crummy and Danny Sutcliffe give him a great, great um, aerial presence in the half-forward line. And you'd also have to say that your buddy from last year, Donald Burke, like he really is kind Larry's of buddy, you mean. Larry's buddy. The real deal in that half forward line for sniping scores, like a couple of the scores he got from range, he's very accurate. So an awful lot to like about that Dublin performance. Very, very, very positive. Yeah, plenty of pace in the forward line as well. Yeah, and you'd, you'd have to say from Antrim's point of view, yeah, Darren had to target the league. They needed to show what they were about. He did have no choice there, right? He had, he had to go after it and, and, and do what he had to do. Like it's a difficult one. Um, but look, we clearly saw the weekend there is a difference between league and championship. There is a difference to where teams like are ready for championship and championship ready will probably never change, right? And the league will always be the league. And you have to say that Matty here, he was ready for this and they sent out their signal early. And uh, as I said, yeah, I'd probably have to say, just what you said at the start, Danny Sutcliffe, he was unbelievable. Right and left hand, Della, in the air. Mm, yeah, he's, mm. he's, a fair, he's a fair beast to go to war. Um, their full back line, their full back line would be much more tested the next day. But I thought, watching it, that Paddy Smith, Owen O'Donnell, who's playing out of his skin, as usual, Keno Callaghan as well in the other corner, that looks really teak tough, bit of class with O'Donnell as well. And, I know they're going to face a different challenge with Concanon and Whelan, etc. Uh, but um, that match, that match, probably a bit different now than maybe yeah. we would have looked at it three weeks ago. I, I'd say both semi-finals, Anthony, are a little bit different now. I'd have to say because I probably would have been marking Kenny and Galway to probably get into a, into a Leinster final without a whole pile of fuss. But the two big performances over the weekend from Dublin and Wexford, and particularly the scores that they put up, like 331 and 531, sorry, 330 uh, and 531, 
they're massive scores to put up. Now, I know the opposition may, may not have been brilliant, but at the same time, it shows the capability. And I thought Crummy and Sutcliffe and Ronan Hayes yesterday, they were really, really good. And you know, to win any game, you need forwards that can turn you know, 30% balls, 20% balls into scoring opportunities. And I think Conor McDonald, uh, Rory O'Connor, to a certain degree, they, if they'll get opportunities, they will be able to turn them into scores. The big thing, I suppose, is that both matches is a doubleheader down in a more part of Port Leash. And will that have a bearing on the, re, on the it's a, you know, it's a bit different to Crow Park because you have vast open space in Crow Park. But like in tight, the tight confines of Port Leash and stuff like that, it may have a bearing on the results one way or the other. But I thought Dublin were extremely well conditioned yesterday as well. That's the other thing. They were very physical. And maybe, you know, is that looking just at the Antrim players and stuff like that? But Dublin looked real physical and aggressive yesterday. And you're, you're right in what you said now. Does it take on a different perfection now in the semi final against Galway and the Wexford and Kilkenny game? I think it does. I think it does. You'd have to say there is a change in kind of mindset even this morning, waking up and just looking forward to the weekend and what a weekend we have in store. And things didn't kick off this weekend, but we really expect the next weekend we. We're in for a cracker. And, you know, one of the things, Derek, during the league, like I saw Matty, you know, the best watch Sunday sport. We were probably on it a couple of times, but um, Matty was, Matty Kenny, he was positive nearly after every league game. You know, just look, didn't had a chance there, faded for that period, have to work on that. But he was upbeat all the time. And I think he, he felt they'd come right at the right time. And, and for me, they looked like they're coming right at the right time. Have balance. Eamon Dillon's a loss, I think. Maybe not to, maybe in the start, but. Trallio coming off the bench brings a different sort of a threat than Ronan Hayes does. Ronan is very good to come out to the ball, good in the air as well. Trallio is more of a get it and take on his man, direct run and, and, and try to get the goal chance. He's a bit of a loss, but other lads have stepped up to the plate and there seems, I, I think we could be in for two crackers in Leinster at the weekend, Derek. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I don't, I, I don't think it's a different viewpoint. I would have always had the viewpoint that, you know, even the day that we, we I think we were on the the day that Kilkenny played Wexford in the in the league game, where where obviously it was post COVID or post COVID incident with, with with Wexford and Wexford didn't turn up for that Kilkenny game, and I was saying to myself, if we're pontificating if six weeks later about Wexford planning it to a tee against an ambush on Kilkenny, I, I actually don't see it as an ambush. To be honest with you, I, I think that's 50-50, um, the Kilkenny Wexford game. Genuinely do. The other one, I was on a little preview there a few weeks ago in Wexford. Some of the clubs in Wexford, and I said to myself, I think the shock of the year could be Dublin. Dublin's performance against Galway. I didn't say Dublin's win, I said Dublin's performance. And I just think Dublin have a really good team. The other thing that was very obvious in, in, in the in the approach to not, not a really good team, what I mean it's a good team, sorry. The approach was because Antrim had been propelled so much into the spotlight, um, you know, the, the acceleration of what they'd done brilliantly under under Darren Gleason in, in it almost created a kind of a false sense of, of perhaps where they were, and, and it took the spotlight right away from Maddie Kenny. So I'd say Maddie had the opportunity. And in many ways, even the under-20s performance the other night, yeah. you know, against Galway, kind of probably said, Jesus, you know, it took it away from 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 um, from from Dublin. And Dublin were able to kind of say to themselves, right, they were able to get angry behind the scenes, I think, ahead of the, ahead of the Antrim game. And I think you saw a combination of anger and a bit of indignation. And look, we're still here, kind of a performance against against Antrim. And they blew them away, lads. And again, go through the spine of the team without repeating yourself. O'Donnell, Rush, Burke, Hayes, Crummy. And, and Sutcliffe on the wings and 
have you not eight or nine high quality players there that can that can that can mix it with anyone? So I just don't think I think it now the only thing I'd say is and I said it last week, forewarned is forearmed for Shane O'Neill and for, for Cody. And and the sense is there that we know what we're when we know what we're taking on here. But it it will be inter- it'll be more interesting than, than a lot of people think. And I would have thought of that for thought thought that for a while. Yeah, TJ, would you give calls on it? Double header in Port Leash, Saturday evening, Mount Watering before we come to the main event, obviously, with yourselves and Mr. Landers Crowd going head to head. But uh Leinster, TJ, give us your call and your take on it. Who, who who's gonna come out? Well, the two fa- the, the two favourites in the book, um, like Wicks are two to one. So Kenny are I think it's around four to nine or whatever, which is very short, right? And Galway are around one to five, which is very short as well. I think that Galway are in the top two, like most people in the country. I think Limerick and Galway are the chip leaders here, right? I do think Dublin impressed me and most of the country the other day. They will make it more difficult, but I just think that Galway are playing at a different level. So for me, Galway will win that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in no doubt about that. Now, my tipping at the moment, as you would have reminded me already, Delo, isn't great. So I'm sure that uh, Matty will be happy to hear that. And on the other one, I, we won't feel belly brick kid. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one, I'm going to go for Wexford. Like, I think that, again, Davey here, he's lined this up. He knew this was coming over a while. Uh, the league was a little bit phony for him. His team looked in great shape the other day. You have to take it, yeah, the opposition wasn't anywhere near where Kenny were at. And I think that he will, like, this game, it, it's an important game for Davey, I think. I think that he has to get this team back over his five years there. I know he's won a Leicester Championship. I think he needs to win this game. I think he'll have lined up from a long way out, and I'm going to give him the nod to beat Kilkenny. They have a powerful panel. Their players look good. 528 from play against Leash. Like the look of them. So for me, Galway and Wexford to be in the Leinster final. Well, not too many of our listeners would have probably predicted that the great TJ Ryan would go down that route. Um mm. Early and you know earlier this month even I would I would I would hasten to guess. Um, Mark, what's your call yeah. on, on on more more pack? Yeah, it's a very good. I think I, to be fair, TJ has summed it up very well there. Um, I'm I'm of the belief that Galway are the biggest threat to Limerick in the Ireland this year. Um, I think they have a really really strong panel of players Galway at the moment, uh, and I think they have plenty of ammunition to come off the bench. That's a big, big question whether Joe Kenny is going to be fit or not, whether he will be started or not. And he was nursing, a, I think, a broken finger the last time we saw him when they played Cork in the league. So um, I would fancy Galway to, to beat Dublin uh, over the weekend. I think the Wexford-Kilkenny game is not as simple as what I would have predicted maybe um, a couple of weeks ago. I felt that Kilkenny, after five wins in the league, they had done what they had to do. Um, I still think... I think probably I'm a bit of a traditionalist, I suppose, Anthony, in some respects, that I, I probably would give Kilkenny the nod in that one. Um, but I'd have to say I, I would be concerned. Um, I would be concerned for Kilkenny over the weekend that Wexford's performance was really, really good. But forearm was forewarned, as the boys have already said. I think I can see Conor McDonald and Rory O'Connor coming in for close attention. And the question is for Wexford... The biggest question for Wexford is, will they be able to hold TJ Reid or not? And I think if TJ Reid, you know, and he's, he's what a service he's given to Kenny. But have a couple of younger lads coming now as well, like the likes of Owen Cody and, and Adrian Mullen. You know, if one of the two of them clicks up with a goal and three or four points, 
we'll clip over 13 or 14 points, you know. But if Reed is held, I think that'll go a long ways to, to Wexford winning. But I, I think he can anyway well enough to get over the Okay. And uh, Derek, are you hearing anything on, on the overall? I'll ask you what way you think it'll go. But are you hearing anything about Adrian Mullins' hamstring? I'm hearing that's troublesome. You didn't hear anything? No, I heard yeah, just, again, yeah. No, I heard uh, no, that's right. He got a lot of game in during the league, didn't he? Got a lot mm. of league. It was just yeah. kind of with the, trying to get him up to the pace. So I have heard nothing now. Um, yeah, look, I, 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 I concur. I go at Wexford. Um, I think Wexford will win on on, on Sunday, um, Saturday, and and I think um, I think Dublin will be ahead at halftime. But God, we'll take him back then coming down the stretch. <laughs> so half time, full time there. Um, <laughs> uh, um, get on, lads. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Bill Milan will be texting me after ten minutes of of, of I've got we're going to an eight point lead, you know. So uh, <laughs> what I do think is I actually think Galway whilst uh, you know kind of half a game with the fact that they're second delivery. I think a monster team will knock Galway out before they get to the other final this year. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, well, I, I must, you know, I think a monster team will, will knock him out. I think a monster yeah, team like, fancy playing at some stage. We need to get Brian Hogan on here shortly just to balance up the monster bias. Yeah. But we do think the championship is probably stronger. I'll I'll go. I do think, yeah, God, I think Dublin will put it up to Galway in Port Leash. And the likes of Rush will love it there. O'Donnell will love it. I think it'll be tight. Um, but I give not Galway the nod on, on the basis of the way Shane has developed the panel and the way the likes of Concanon, as I said. The Mannions have completely taken over. They're, like Joe is still very important. Dahi Burke still very important. Evan always. Yeah, but if Joe's fifth, will Evan Nyland be on? That's the that's the. Yeah, but again, if the, the big thing there, Mark, is I, I actually think Nyland would be playing there. Well, he's in your fantasy team, so obviously you would you would have gone that way. But <laughs> um, no, I I do think though that's the big thing for me, uh, Mark, would be that if Joe's ruled out with injury people wouldn't be reacting like they would two or three years ago and possibly making Galway favourites. Now, there's another, you know, Joe is still Joe, brilliant, like, and, but he, he's, he's, he's nearly a bonus for them now with the way they're hurling Kyle Mannion, uh, Whelan, um, Concanon, as I said, like, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they have the luxury of trying out Adrian Tuohy, Sean Loftus up front because Darren Morrissey's playing so well, Conor Beck, um, Fintan Burke, Shane Cooney, all these guys have really stepped up and said, I'm at that yep. level now. And, and I think that's so. I think they'll prevail there. I'd be very tempted after watching them in the flesh to go with G with Wexford, lads. But I still think the Cats, I know, I think Cody has, has been waiting for this one as well. Do you know, he know well they were going to beat Leash. I think they'll come with a level of aggression. I think this is going to be a ferociously aggressive, aggressive game. Uh, and I think Kenny might just bring that aggression. To a level that will get him over the line. I do. I think, you know, he's been he's been stung by Wexford a nice few times since Davy went there, and I think he he maybe since maybe this might be Davy's last year. May not. Who knows? Um, but that, that he go on and say we need to win this one, and they'll go all out for this one. I I, I think. Um, so I think they'll prevail. But I'm not, I like you know. I was impressed with what I saw from both the oppositions. Yeah. So look at that. That's so much to look forward to, lads. Um, just go just just for the for the punters listening, right? The matches at two o'clock. The Dublin Galway game is two o'clock on Saturday. The Wexford Kenny game is four thirty on Saturday, and then you have the Cork Limerick game at seven o'clock. So, if we have a glorious day, I can feel the burgers and the cider and the ice will be on. Will be on early. We'll be 
Just as well the podcast will be on on Monday, not Sunday. <laughs> well, if, what, what if Claire win on Sunday, Mark? <laughs> look, yeah, that's it. It's a massive day as hurling as the Euros. The Euros, I tell you, uh, we were here and they were all want. There was a good few wanting to put on Euros here. I was working here one one evening last week. It was Wednesday, and um, I knew Dublin and Galway was on. I tell you, I got a fair bit of grief for sticking to my guns and saying the hurling has gone gone on back here now in West Clare, where it's mostly Gaelic football, but you've great hurling sports. But luckily enough, the hurling match turned out to be a cracker and they got the second half of the soccer. So, but uh, yeah, we had the luxury of, 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 of two options. But uh, yeah, it's some day to look forward to, in fairness. And we just move on to Sunday before we come back to Cork and Limerick. Hard to know what to expect now. Clear with the match under their belt or tip coming in fresh with this seasoned bunch of knowing how to get it done, All Ireland winners and, and all that goes with what tip have proven management, everything. Where's the where's the advantage now? I know by nature the bookmakers and that kind of thing will make tip favourites, but I guess hurling people, do we feel the match didn't get any real injuries there? I don't think I don't think I think that's been reported this morning to clean bill of health after Shane O'Donnell will come back into the equation. David McInerney got what twenty five minutes good game time in there. Fellas like Ryan Taylor had great first halves. So I thought you know that there would have been a few. Mac Rogers made his debut. Although Sean Dyle won't be too happy as the under twenty manager with that one, but uh, you know it's who, where is the advantage line for Clare Tip? Um, well, for, for me, Anthony, I, I'd, I'd have to say it's um, it's Tipper forewarned on Kelly and Shanahan actually on the inside. That's the first thing, and I suppose on the other side of it is John Conlon. Now I'd be definitely putting um, a ball player on Conlon because. You can't afford to leave John Conlon sweep the ball that he sweeped over the weekend. So for me, Tipperary will probably end up putting Noel McGrath. I'd say definitely maybe centre forward. And John Conlon will have to end up marking him now. Well, so you clear detail, have... clear detail someone else to mark him. Mark, they won't, they won't let Noel McGrath So do you think Cleo will actually go with a sweep or so, Dela? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they'll, they'll men mark Noel McGrath. They won't let Noel McGrath go out and have the freedom of Limerick. They'll say, Colm Galvin, you get... And Aidan, Aidan McCarthy line out to kind of forward again. He'll come to wing, and whoever's wing will come out on, on Galvin's man. You can't yeah. leave Noel McGrath and, loose, Sterling. Like. And the one and the one team in the country which okay, Limerick are brilliant on the loose ball, but Tipperary are probably the next best hurlers. We say one to fifteen in terms of their stick work. And you saw that a couple of years ago in the All Ireland final when Richie Hogan was sent off. The minute they got the loose man, they were able to ping balls left, right, and centre and score from distance as well. I think it's a big advantage the, the, the Tipperary that they the Clare have actually showed their hand now. But again, could Lowell bring a, a, a rabbit out of the head and stop Shane O'Donnell on the side and play TK centre-forward maybe at the weekend? So there's a good few subplots that could happen over the weekend coming up and there will be a bit of head-scratching. But I think Tip have, will be fresher. The game will definitely bring on Clare. But it does take a bit out of your lives when you play a championship match and... Clare might be flat, Dela. Everything might have been ch- everything might have been channeled into just this one game against Waterford, and they might turn up a little flat next weekend. We'll have to wait and see. Well, all, all our Clare avid listeners to the podcast will be delighted that that verdict has come from Killa this morning, and they'll be they'll be thrilled to bits with that. that consistency remains. So we're in with the right chance, lads out there. I suppose it'll be it'll be three one here anyway, TJ. I suppose you'll you'll be going tip as well, like. Um. I, I, I probably will. I suppose when it comes up to it. Do whatever you say. 
I, to go back to your question about the advantage, right? I, like, it's, it's sometimes in, in, in the GAA and championships, it's great to have a win under your belt because, like, in a situation where Rohan was coming off, like, that bit of fill up of confidence and belief and that, like, cementing of the buy in of what Rohan is doing, I think that's huge for Claire. No, no doubt about that. Um, I think tactically, he got everything bang on. And I do agree with you. Like, what I've seen from them tactically, they're going to be very wise to the moves. They're going to expect Noel McGrath to be a drifting off centre forward. They'll probably expect that either maybe Kyle Barrett or Brendan will be deployed to pick up Kelly. They can position Kelly maybe in the middle of the field if they have to. So there's a lot of aces that Lohan has to play. So tactically, I think that you'll see something different. Tipper definitely forewarned now that they, they, they know what to expect. Um, the little bit of a worry for me about Claire Dello is, right, is that they should really have had Waterford put to the sword much, much earlier. They were just so far ahead of them. They should have got more scores. They had enough possession. What's the register? 23 wides. And a lot of them probably not under as much pressure as you would have, Waterford would have liked. So I'm going to go with Tipperary as well. I think that they have the class to get scores. They'll definitely score more than 21 points. They'll cause Claire plenty of problems. So, yeah, tip. Okay. One of the things that kind of consoles me, Derek, is that you, you seldom see a team shooting that kind of wide count again. Now, maybe the shot-ups, and you wouldn't have 31 wides or, what was it, 23 wides. You wouldn't have that again because they will talk about not taking the lotto shots, you know, to try and hit Channel with those, even recycle them back behind you where there might be a better option. So somewhere in me, I think... We'll, we'll be better on that front. And some of the ones that were hit wide will be nailed, I think, the next day. And I, t I think, you know, if we can get a goal at some stage, I think we'll rack up more than 122. So, but obviously the opposition have potential to rack up goals as well. Yeah, it's probably an ideal scenario again for Brian in that they'll have the confidence and, and the momentum from the win. But I don't think there'll be a pundit that'll tip him by yourself to win the match. You know, you know, as a guy, you know, it's a kind of, you know, you know, and with, with due respect to the people involved in Clare, I think it's a really ideal scenario. <clears throat> it's kind of, and again, it probably fits in. You obviously know the, uh, the man a lot better than me. It probably fits in with his character in terms of the defiance that he can insulate the boys again this week, saying, "Look, we're we're being written off. There's, there's no one, you know, there's no one kind of giving us, you know, not credit or right? not that he's looking for credit or anything, but certainly it'd be a." It can be a fairly angry gesture again this week with the focus on, on Tipperary in that. The, the interesting one with Tipperary, I suppose, is the anomalies around our performance against Waterford in the league. And, you know, they named the full team. I, I'd argue was, that was their nearly their, their first, certainly 12 or 13 of their team. Carl Barrett, Paul Maher, Barry Heffern and Jamie Kennedy, you know, Brendan Maher were all in the backline, Ronan Maher. So that was probably their backline, certainly. So... I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, the expectation would be that Clare would start well uh, based on, on, on the momentum they have from last week and that maybe that, you know, the tip would be kind of... It, will, will their game plan change, for instance, Clare? They, what were they preparing for for Waterford? This counter-attacking game where Waterford come back to field and they come forward in waves. Are tip more traditional in terms of their approach? Like, Are they more kind of... So will Clare's game plan change? Should it change or will it change? I'm not sure. We will, does O'Donnell come back into the fray? Do they take Kelly out of the equation and put him at 12 or 11 or 10? The expectation for me is that Clare will play well, but that Tip will, will will win the game, I think. You know what I mean? I think, and, and, and Clare come back in the back door then as well. So I, I don't think it all will be lost in defeat either for Clare on Sunday next. 
I think it has to change, yeah. Jerry, to some degree. The game plan. Yeah. I think you can't bomb ball, don't have a Polly Maher, Ronan Maher, Brendan Maher, Barry. Like, you can't, you, they can't do that. So I think it, to some degree, it has to change. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear anything now, TJ, but I'd expect O'Donnell will come back in. Yeah. I'd expect O'Donnell could be positioned at full on party and drag him and run him. And every time he gets it run at him, I thought he didn't deliver yesterday, but Shane Bennett caused him huge difficulties in Watch Park. I thought by movement and run at him. Um, and we all know how highly we all regard party and this on this pod, like an and S4 hurling men. But I, I'm just not so sure about the full back thing. I don't think they've an option at this stage. I see Shanahar maybe operating up there with him, but more operating to top of the right and trying to get to any high ball, it goes down top of the right. This is only my thinking. Which is, uh, it was where I was talking to Lohan last night. No, I wasn't. And I'd say he does himself the favour not listening to this during the week in case, in case something. But And I think you could see Tony Kelly back in midfield for this one. I really think you yeah. could. Um, so yeah. who drop out? I'm not sure. Um, but I think not not 100% the chain will be fit to play. It was a concussion. There's protocols to be followed. Mm-hmm. So not 100% sure. Then I think if he's not clear to play, then you're, you're under a bit of pressure as to what you do. Um, but there is a couple of options. I, I think Clare, to my mind, were a little bit completely um, written out of the equation after the first couple of league games. And I thought that was very false, which couldn't open your mouth about it, of course, after losing in Belfast and throwing away a lead against Wexford and Ennis. Um, and I think, I think Clare didn't go way back from the team that could have won an All-Ireland in 18. Now, Limerick were worthy winners, but a clear Limerick final could have been an awful lot different than it got now. Limerick looked to have kicked on to another level, and let's face it, after last year, we'd all agree to that. But I think we're better. With Colm Galvin back, with Ian Galvin back fully fit, I, I think we're an awful lot better. Uh, an awful lot of players like, like, like Rory Hayes has stepped up to be maybe the second best cornerback in the country in some ways behind Sean Finn. So... There's a lot, lot to be said for the way Clare are. Maybe we'll come up short. I don't know about these fellas. There hasn't been massive experimentation. It's much the same as the 19 team, I think. Um, and where are they two years on? I think a lot will be answered on Sunday. But um, I give Clare a good shout. Good shout. I wouldn't say, you know, I'd be sticking my nose out and having a few quid in them, but I think, I think they're a shout. And I think they'll be written off by everybody, as, as, as you said, Derek. And that will suit. That will suit everybody around the camp. The big one is obviously Saturday night, lads. The two, you know, the All-Ireland favourites and everybody's favourite team coming without winning All-Ireland. 16 long years. But surely, lads, the underage success has been incredible there. Surely, this is the time to take out Limerick uh, in the Munster semi-final and, and put them in the back door. Mark? I don't know. We're getting the underage success from there, though. I mean, the, the, we've had a lot of underage teams. But we haven't. So every every tour, every tournament, 14, 15, 16, 17, Mark Cork were winning the A and B every single year. Joe McKenna used to yeah, ring me, and great to hear Joe is on the mend as well after his big surgery. Fantastic, Joe. We're wishing you all the best. If you're bored and you're listening to us, it wouldn't really be a podcast, man. I'd say, but if he was put on to it, he'd listen to it. Uh, great to hear Joe's doing so well. Um, serious surgery and mighty, mighty to hear the big Joe. But Joe used to ring me. I'd be at the under 16A tournament or whatever in my role in the academy. And he'd say, who won that? We're beating the semi-final by Kenny. But say, who won that? Cork. Who won the B? Cork. What about the 14s? Cork. B, Cork. Like, it's like, <laughs> and, and Stella, I would say that was underage success anyway. Still a short price yeah. to, win, to win last year's under-20 All-Ireland, which is Captain Shortly. Short price for that as well, Cork. Correct. Upcoming. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've been beaten in two under twenty, a uh, twenty-one and a twenty-one final, and uh, we were thirty-three to one on to win the first one. That was the famous one that uh, Liam Cahill. After we beat them in the Munster final by nine points, turned around to be playing with a gale force breeze down in the Gaelic grounds and up two points at half time. There was no betting like, but anyway, we got beaten, and that's that's that has been a problem for Cork. Um, we have failed to get over the line in the big games, and um, I suppose that that under twenty final this year is going to take on a big significance, Anthony. And you mentioned one of the clear players. There will be a lot of people in Cork will be saying the likes of Alan Conley and Shane Barris. They're underage for under 20 again next year, which is this year, sorry. Um, there'd be a lot of fellas hope that they wouldn't be playing senior on Sunday, that, that, that the under 20 yeah. is very important as well for the development of Cork. So we would be contesting four All-Ireland finals in a row at under 20 level. So there surely must be some bit of talent coming that we can bridge that 16 years of an All-Ireland. But look, Limerick won three under 21s a couple of years back and never got an All-Ireland out that, that, that team at that time. So... Just because you win it underage doesn't guarantee you any success up along the line. But I'd say the the match on Saturday night, from a Cork perspective, uh, I'd say a lot of uncertainty is the first thing, is what I would say. Uh, nobody seems to know what the starting, what the makeup of the 15 would be. I could, I could tell you what the 15 or 14 of the players will be, but as to where they'll be playing, where will Shane Kingston be playing, where will Seamus Hamilton be playing, don't know. Will Damien Cahillan be playing? Don't know. Tim O'Mahony. Jury's out now on Mark Coleman after the first couple of uh, matches. He was outstanding centre-back, but the last couple of league matches, he was probably under a lot of pressure and um, has been. there will be a lot of question marks whether he should be centre-back now at this moment. Time. So, look... And in fairness to you, Mark, you've been saying this for quite a while now, that you could nearly tell us the 15, but where they'll be playing. That's a bit unbelievable yeah. now at this level, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Now, I know that Kieran Kingston and, and, and Shane actually had an article over the weekend. They were both saying the same thing, which is they were caught with delighted with the league that they gave something over 30 players a chance in the league. Uh, have they found something? You have Jack O'Connor, I think, from Sarah and John Mellorick from Badra Neils have put their names forward and say for a starting position. And I hope one of them will play um, on Saturday night. I think that they want been played and I think they deserve to be played as well so and I think that's you know that that to me is important from a player's point of view and a supporter's point of view that you know fellas that have put up their hand do get denied um, now look I suppose a lot of stuff happens away from the matches the league matches that we're seeing and, we, and we've seen teams that played well in the league this year and did play well in the championship particularly Antrim so like I suppose whatever's happening in training Hopefully it'll be reflected uh, in the team that's been picked. But um, I would be fearful for Cork, I would say. Like, I know in my heart and soul that the one team that can beat anybody would be Cork. And we won't be one bit afraid about going down to play Limerick, even though they are the, the best team in the country. And Limerick will openly admit it. They will be, I'd say, wary of Cork now because of the way the performance have gone over the last number of years. And we have beat them and looked like beat them in the in the 219 semi-final, but didn't get over the line. But I just, I'm not convinced that Cork have kicked on after the first two league matches this year. I think their spirit has been damaged slightly by some of the poor performances that came afterwards. Uh, but then, and there's another part of me that would say, of all the teams that are out there that could bring on a performance, it is Cork. So 
Like I, I think Limerick will win the match on uh, Saturday evening, but it wouldn't surprise me if Cork won the game either at the same time. Okay, a bit of a chance, uh, Derek. We was there a bit of a shadow even over Waterford yesterday. This might sound bizarre now, but I felt this that teams are looking at other ways to set up and maybe attack a game with Limerick in mind, and it might have. Like the Waterford of last year playing to that sort of game might have had enough to beat there, but maybe they're trying to change the style a bit and play a more running game or or, or maybe hit space more. I, I'm dying to see who will come up with something to beat the Limerick plan because going at them in the middle eight is is folly for me. Yeah, it's a great, great point. It's hard to know. I, I'd imagine Waterford had their eyes on clear or nothing else now, but you know, I suppose during, during the league, I suppose... If you look at teams that have troubled Limerick in the last few years, I suppose Waterford in the league game this year, not troubled them, but you know what? They stood into him, I suppose. So there was a motivational aspect to that where they've been beaten for the last. We got a hammer by him in 18 down in Limerick. You know what? I think the last win we had was actually the semi final of the league of 16 against against Limerick. I think that was the last time we had beaten. Sorry, TJ. <laughs> no, I think that was the last. So I think there was a motivational aspect to that. Um, that's where I actually think it's going to be harder for our. That's where I think Limerick are kind of. Head bent, hell bent on Cork at the weekend in that. The, you know, even even listening to interviews over the last few years, I remember reading an interview with Hannon two years ago. He said Cork trouble us with the game that they play, and that that subsequent first round in 2019 or a second round, John Myler had lost. I think they lost their opening match against Cork. Had lost their opening match, had they? And Limerick, Limerick were beaten. Mm. Or Cork beat them down in the rain, down in down in down in Limerick. And so I think Mark Mark alluded to the fact that he said. You know, he still kind of said that there's a corkness there that could materialise, I suppose, on, on Saturday. And we all, we all accept that. You know, added to the fact that they have quality players. So, to, to go back to your original question about other teams setting up, I'm, I'm not sure the answer to that, to be honest. I think teams are focused. And, but I do think that Limerick are kind of said to themselves, right. You know, a lot a lot of times we showed a clip of Shamey Harnley being dispossessed by Nicky Quaid, right? Um, in, at the end of 2018. Then we referenced in 2019 Limerick beating... Or Cork beating Limerick. Even the day where, where Gillan was sent off down in Parky Cueve in 18, Limerick came back and got a draw. So Cork are the one team, I suppose, that Limerick are, are have to kind of take off their perch in terms of the, 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 the one-to-one meetings that they've had over the last couple of years where Cork have traditionally kind of troubled them, I suppose, bar the league game this year where they actually ran over them. So I think it's Limerick are, have their sights on this. Do I think it'll be as comprehensive as the league game? I don't. But I do think, nonetheless, that Limerick will be, will be ready to go to war. Will they come with something different is the question for me. TJ will know more about that. Like, will, or will they just, it's, this is the way we play and figure it out. You know, I keep going back to a challenge match in 17 again. We played Limerick where Garone Hegarty on the edge of the square against us. He caused rack against us uh, down and down. And we played a behind closed door challenge match in 17. And Hegarty just caused some damage to us down our inside, you know. And I think they have the ability to. I still wait, and you know, if Nash and Richie English are deemed fit enough, will there be a mat match this year where Hayes is up at 11, where he goes back there? And will you know, will will there be difference brought? Keen Lynch, you know, how does Mark Coleman deal with him at the weekend? Who picks him up, you know, while Mark Coleman holds the, the center? It's there's massive loads of things that brilliant, brilliant stuff with, like to think about it yeah, with respect to David Reedy, and, and he's a good player, like. Lynch is a different, you know, and if you go back to the early in the All Ireland, Pig was was in a in a in a in a quandary as well. Like, who, how does he go at Lynch, but also protect the D? You know, and it's, 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 it's there's too many things to figure out if, if you want me to be honest. 
<laughs> is, the, is the, the empire very secure tj the gaelic grounds is looking splendid there behind you i hope it's looking good for us on sunday tell spike have the grass cut there and everything will you um but uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. everything going okay very quiet there in the last couple of weeks yeah okay, then, okay quiet you know you're the westmead match to finish up the league so there wasn't much talk about that but uh we we don't we just expect an explosion i think saturday night yeah, and even the, the footballers kicked 418 in the Gaelic Grounds mm. the weekend, Delo. So I think that uh, if the hurlers hold their form, which we expect they do, I think we'll do the double over Cork. So um, the weekend, Saturday night, I think Derek, the point, I suppose, key for Cork for the weekend is their own puck out. Um, we all know what happened in the league. It was a meltdown. Can they and have they fixed that are key questions. Um, Seamus Hannity obviously is an outlet. Will he be playing, Mark? He will be playing, yeah. He will be playing. So that's a key point. There were positives, even though that, that league game, as you said at the top of the show, Dello, won't bear much resemblance, I don't think. Cork created a lot of goal chances in that game, which is a positive for them. They scored 18 goals in the league, which is a positive for them. But a lot of things went wrong from that night. So their own puck out is key. I don't think, Derek, that you're going to see anything majorly different from Limerick. I, if there is, I'm not aware of it. I think it'll be a straight shootout between Barry Nash and Richie English for the number four. And I think it'll be a shootout between Graham Mulcahy and Peter Casey for the number 15, depending on those players' fitnesses, right? I think the rest of the team is going to be as is. Keane was majorly influential in that league game with the puck out and breaking them down and linking the play like he was massive that particular night like could Limerick have kept that and for the championship a bit like what was ever cleared it they didn't so Cork are forewarned no so for Cork to have a right shot at this game Mark their puck out has to go well for them they have to be successful there we're probably fairly sure that Limerick will get 40 shots at the post, so there will be 40 puck outs, right? So, for me, I can't see it. I don't know what the Cork makeup of the forwards is. And I, right now, looking at it from, from, from where I am, like, obviously with green eyes, I can't see Cork bringing enough to the table to get the scores and turn them over, as you said. I just can't see it, Dillo. Yeah. And like, Mark, you said here after the league game that you said, well, at least... Well, no, it wasn't you. No, we referenced it here. It was Don Logue said it, I think. I think, no, I hope I'm not misquoting him, but he said that, well, at least Patrick Collins is getting the opportunity to practice right. what he's going to face. Now, will, will that yeah. practice, will that turn well, into a nightmare, though? Well, you see, like, I put this one on. If Cork go with the same puck out strategy that they went in the league and it becomes a meltdown again, well, I can tell you this much, call me a fool once, like, but I'm an idiot twice, like, that's the reality. Yeah. So, like, you know, if, if that happens, like, there'll be a lot of P55s, I can tell you, on Monday morning. That's the reality. But that's the way I would look at it anyway. Um, I, and the, the fear is, and I suppose I've been listening to a lot of the commentators over the last couple of months, oh, they stuck to the process. They stuck to their guns. But, like, if you get a trimming, having been forewarned about what uh, Limerick are capable of doing once they push up on the puck out, that is a problem for her. And, and I do believe that Seamus Hamilton is the outfall. And I do believe he should play centre forward on Declan Hennon. And I wouldn't be putting the ball down on top of either two wings and Kyle Hayes or oh, Dermot yeah. Burns. And I would have runners then. And I would, I would have Shane Kingston and Robbie Flynn coming in under that breaking ball under Hamilton. And Patrick Collins can land the ball down inside, on the edge of the D as far as I'm concerned. 
And if you have the likes of, we'll say, Jack O'Connor or Patrick Horgan skirting around behind that breaking ball, like, is there a possibility that Cork might go along in the book out on Saturday night? Like, that is something now, a bit like TK. And a number of years ago, we played Galway in all Ireland semi-final and we were playing all short book outs and door. And next of all, I decided to go along. And it's only after 10 minutes, they realised, oh, Jesus, there's no short puck outs coming. So is there a possibility that we could see that next Saturday night? And which, I think Westford, we see a lot more... Westford did that to continue the Leinster final in 19 when yeah. nobody saw them going long and just boomed it down and, and maybe targeted yeah, a, a, I, I, a younger Hugh Lawler at the time and, and put McDonald in and at least break it and they, they savaged onto the breaks and it might yeah. be a way of getting that getting some change you don't feel when you look at, at Burns and Hayes and Hennon in the middle that you get much change but maybe with a Harnady uh, there that, yeah. that, that change can be garnered I can't see him getting it in the air. I can't see him getting it in the air, Mark. Maybe go along, maybe with a purpose of trying to hit grass, which is difficult against Limerick or some sort of a long puck out. But like bombing puck outs down on top of Derek Burns and Kyle Hayes. Geez, I, 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 I don't. I, no, they won't do that. They won't put the ball down on, on the two of them. But I would have no issue of putting Hannity in centre forward and Declan Hannon and bomb the ball down on top of him. Now, Robbie yeah. Finland has a very good hand as well now. Jamal I know, but with all due respect, even though in the middle there, like Declan Hannon's going to knock it down and William O'Donoghue's going to be sitting there. Like You you, you know the way they'll set up. Like, yeah, so. will, be, will Bill Cooper be in there, Mac? Bill Cooper only played a, an A versus B match for the first time over the weekend. I didn't get any report back as to how he came through the game, but it'll be a massive call for Cork to play him, um, particularly when he hasn't done any training. But of all the players that, that I would play without having trained would be Bill Cooper. I, and I would leave him go as far as he could go. Um, mm. But like, he, you, like, like a Bill Cooper type in around Will O'Donoghue, Dara Donovan, whoever's going to be there. Like Jesus, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Could you go with Luke Mead and Dara Fitzgibbon? I don't. I don't know what change they'd get from those two lads. Yeah, it's a big call. You know, a fella's only coming back a week before and hasn't done a huge amount. It'll be you know, it's the balance between how much he's done and. 40 minutes out and take him off with, 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 with the game still in the melting pot or, or possibly ahead and then go on from there with the legs. It's a big call. Look, Cork's big players, Fitzgibbon, Harnady, Kingston, fellas that can run and play, they're going to have to be right up at it. Like, you know what I mean? And the other thing, I suppose, is we're talking about poker policies. Even the, if you look at the Limerick semi-final against Kilkenny, where they had the advantage of, I know Harnady's good in the air, but they had the advantage of TJ Reid going along and TJ was is able to win the ball all the time mm. over. However, you know what I mean? But the thing about Limerick is they'll filter back so much as that ball is in the air. Are you just going to break it down to, you know, your deep Pegarty or deep, you know, Tom Morrissey or deep Keane Lynch or you know, and then they're just going to work it through the lines on the way out? It's so difficult. The one thing I would say in the league game, I thought Limerick's puck out strategy was slightly different in terms of how they set up. They push right up. They normally come the traditional Kilkenny kind of approach, you know, five or six, where they're about five, ten yards off. It was kind of slightly different in that, you know, they were they were right up on their main and they were saying, Cork were obviously saying, oh, we're trying this tonight and we're sticking with it no matter what. So I think you'll see a slight bit of difference from Limerick's approach. I don't think they'll be as, they might even allow have the two, three and four have it and, and not have it and then swarm, swarm them, whereas they were nearly upright on the side of them in that league match, you know, from behind the goal. Yeah. It's a fair, like, fair uh, bit of mind games my, in depth from Kylie, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. The Kingston is there now. Will, will we have to go along, or will we be able to ping it to Caroline or Shana <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who get them off with it? You know, it, I, I, they I, hold I, all I, the aces, lads. 
Yeah, I would love to see Damien Cahillan be moved to the middle of the field and Will O'Donoghue. And I think he would be a good fit with Dallas Fitzgibbon. I would, would love put, to see Will O'Donoghue and Cahillan. Who would you put on Will Owen Cadigan be fit enough to take on? Sean would go on Galan and whoever's and Jamie Flanagan, the, the two of them, Cahillan and Sean O'Donoghue would pick up to me, Flanagan and Galan. I would love to see Sean O'Donoghue and Galan I it think you pay money to see a fit, a fit, a fit on Cadigan and Galen. I'd pay money for that one. Anyway, if we could get Cad- a Cadigan's a good record there too, though. Well, that's saucy. Yeah. Sean, Sean, I don't know who is, is a very underrated cornerback. He's no, a, he a good player. Very good player man. Man. I, I think all our predictions there is a is a good character in uh, in Matlon, right? Um, uh, Patsy Ryan's his name. The Gatti they call him. He's an uncle of Jim Bob's actually, right? But when there be conversations going on like this about who you'd play where and like. Who's best man for full forward, right? Right. Gaddy wouldn't say anything, but he'd be at the counter. And all he'd reply is, and you would know. That's all he'd say, right? And you just gonna make everyone feel very small. Like so you'd be, you'd be making this great statement. I I'd play this for the full back and I'd play this for in the middle of the field, just like you were saying there, Mark. And he'd reply with and you would know. There's lads I was collecting glasses late last night, and I do appreciate the lads had a good few points strength, but a few of the opinions on the Clare Waterford game as regards individual Clare players. I just said keep going. Yeah, you're well, right. Said, well, yeah, because well, I was you, going you, arguing. You, I was on a loser anyway. You have the answer for them now. And you would know. And and you know. know. <laughs> I, uh, Tom Mack and Crusheen, famous character, still still going well by Tom Mack. He was a Clare selector one time. And John Henley from our club, Lord to mercy him, he's not buried long. Henley was caught at some Munster Council meeting, but he was a, he was the chairman of the selectors and he arrived back and they were sick of waiting for him, so they picked it. And Henley looked at the team. They handed him the team. Here, Henley, that's the team, says Tom. And Henley looked at it. Yeah, he said, I'd agree with 14 of the 15. And Tom said, Oh, shut up, Henley, our Lord himself had only to pick 12, and wasn't that a bollocks in it? <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, that's a true story, Tom. Tom was legendary right, for the fast ones. Yeah, Crusheen for a tough, tough boys out there. But um, yeah, lads, I suppose we're, we're all, we can't see an upset. We, we can maybe see, we're, we're intrigued to see what Cork will come with and, and, and yeah. where, they, where they can use that brilliant pace that they have. And can they trouble? Can they trouble Limerick on that front? But Dylan, can I just clarify one thing, Mark? Was it? Did yeah. we all go for Limerick? Just so I have the old prediction. So there's no kind of uh, question marks. Yeah. Is it all Limerick? Or Mark? Marco, did you? Did the heart rule the head? Or no, no, I went with Limerick. I went with Limerick, but I wouldn't be surprised if Park. <laughs> no, I can't. No, 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 you're covering your ass, there, Mark. No, you can't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but TJ, I, in fairness, as your man would say, I, TJ, TJ, as your man would say. And you'd know, because he's new standing now with the fantasy hurling. He's much more confident in himself. He's much more relaxed. He's a top of the table <laughs> sort of guy. Even though Ken Hogan uh, put pay to that. But let's... Imo Killy won championships under that man. Killer won championships. There wasn't as much preparation put in over the weekend. I spoke about a Clare Selectors meeting. Look at this with the paper, with the Pringles, with the Rockshore, the iPhone, the paper, and the man is addled. But look, the work went... In, the tiredness crept in. Look at that, like is that Spider-Man there down me? Look at it. Crocs with socks Spider-Man. on as well. Disgusting. Crocs and socks, and you get with it, chap. You? But like you have to say, you, you put in the hard work. 
Hamil Cahy is called in as, as chairman of the selectors and he did the work and you're still only second. How is that like? Han the Queen, uh, 205 I points. Like, Jesus, you're still 20 behind. I tell you, I, I am so delighted, right, to be off the bottom, right? I'm speechless. And um, the fact, Dale, that I'm about 60 points ahead of you now and that you're down near the bottom, there's a big interest in this uh, fantasy hauling for the rest of the season now. And as yeah. TJ told you before, it was only the league the last one. Like, this is the championship, like. Championship, <laughs> looks like anything else like when Dublin win in Ireland yeah. after all Ireland after all Ireland there's no point really in me dominating this the whole time and Larry coming in for the odd one so it's good to see it going around it keeps things healthy here Derek you're loads of time to enter because you'll catch up that 205 points no bother oh, yeah, this team there this week yeah hoagie's already hoagie's already certainty for the wooden spoon so there's not I know mid table will do me Champions League football will do me for next year Sorry, Mark. Some amount of Twitter activity. Some amount of Twitter activity. Let's from Clark Castle there and they're sending me on. Hey, make sure you mention me tomorrow. There, I'm top of the local league. Like, Jesus, like all excited. Like, but look, Hurler on the ditch was a good outspoken man now on um on on Twitter in general and was given out during the whole Lashton League. You were Hurler about transfers and you didn't you wanted more transfers but you're top now and you have no excuse because you're making all the running but can you lead from a Thursday evening in a major caves 282 points though hats off to your Colum Keevney who always seems to perform well Brian O'Loughlin up there I don't see Brian Coos but uh, look it's early days we'll be we'll be shaping our team now for this week uh, Gerard Grogan I have to give him mention here in the parish of uh, Shannon Gales Kilmurray McMahon uh, neighbour down the road but look, it's early days. Uh, it's nothing that a big captaincy performance, a change of captaincy and a big performance won't start in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, you stick I, a I, twist I, with the interim lads. I saw Huller and Ditch's team as well, Dello. I don't think he'll be leading next week. I think his lot of players won't be in action this week, so he could struggle. The other thing is the Mona Lean under 11 team in the junior side of it. I got a WhatsApp from them to say that they were going exceptionally well. They've all scored, most of them have scored more than me and you, Mark. So obviously they, they, they know their stuff. But uh, joining on points will make myself and Mark were desperate and lucky. If Shane Bennett had got one or two scores, Dillo, myself and Mark, he would have been right at the very, very top, which is a small bit unlucky there now. So the homework yeah, was done. The homework was done. Yeah. He was in my team as well. Sure, he was in everyone's team, TJ, because he was in as a defender. Like I know. But you know, from, no, from what Mark was doing there, we know the seven Ps came into play that proper prior planning prevents the poor performance, Dillo. We know that. Like, so oh, Marco was on, was on the ball, you know. Yes. Was, he, you're, watching, ball. you're watching too many fucking pendulum summits there. Before we finish up, right, I just want to send um, condolences to the Dooley family in Naklan. Uh, Dan Dooley, he'd carry her business, would have been well known throughout the country and probably all over the world. Uh, he passed away over the weekend. His son, Jim, who was instrumental in everything that Gary's plan has done over an awful long period of time. And his grandson, Andy, is actually currently playing for the senior team. So, just uh, it's just an iconic figure there at the cross of Knocklang. Anybody who's ever passed through the sleepy village, you can't miss the Dan Dooley sign. So, unfortunately, he passed away over the weekend. Yeah, we we, we concur with the condolences. You're right, TJ. When we were trying to avoid Buttevant, they're going to Cork. Correct. We all, we all went across your country there for a while and, and back out at Mitchellstown, back onto the other motorway. So, yeah, condolences to the family. Obviously, huge influence in the area uh we've gone on a bit as usual great stuff though uh derek great to hear the upbeat desha this morning uh confidently predicting uh top four at least 
finish for so all I want for listeners that's if he's saying it who are we to disagree I look at I think Waterford had too much form outside of yesterday to say that they won't be in the shape of I, I certainly believe as well that you're right there and uh, as a clearman I'm just hoping that we don't know let the good work of yesterday go down the swanee to that crowd Larry Ryan's crowd yeah you know the old nemesis there TJ um Okay, you never know. The old Gaelic grounds has been good to us over the years. You never know. We might, we might just, she just might. Queen Mark, how is she? How is the hamstring? The hamstring is good. She walked, she walked with Jimmy Mangans there yesterday. A good chat with Jimmy, and uh, she walked well, so she's oh, been think- up for Wexford for next uh, next Friday night. And her half brother, oh. the tooth picker, is entered for Thursday. In Tipperary in a bumper, first time out. What, how was the Mr. J. Cod on board? Huh? J. Cod taking the ride? Yeah, J. Cod by. Nope, he's eight in the ballot, so he might get in. But we're um, we're well, hoping that the old guy is the tooth picker. There you go. Uh-huh. Cod rings and cards and looks for the ride on these ones, I know well. TJ, uh, what's your take on this? Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't know anything about it. I didn't know that I was interested in seeing a horse, right? So I, I, I'll have to do a bit of homework on it. I was going to say my final piece for the day, Delo, is to the GA. Can we get the fans back at the match? We have 2,400 going to Limerick and Cork's hands tonight, right? I'd be going making a phone call to a good buddy of yours and mine now shortly to Mr. Michael Reardon to try and see can I get into any parts of the ground. Oh, Mike, can I let down a former manager, a former star? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, so, forget, uh, don't forget me, TJ. Put me into the past. Which is Matthew, whatever, whatever, but trying to give them to any limit people, I'd be shy if I give them over the border. Huh? <laughs> Tony, Tony Lean should nearly be getting the four of us tickets, lads, to get in there for the for the examiner for the podcast and everything. Like, just think, Derek. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. because we can't can't really see it all, especially Sky's coverage on be hectic, like you know. So we can, uh, you know. If Tony got us that, we could we could organize accommodation in Limerick on Saturday night, and we could get both of them. Hmm. Oh, oh, you're talking. I'm on, I'm on duty Sunday, though. I'd have to be minding myself. I'd say not be joining up with you. <laughs> we can some push a bit early. It wasn't time as half 11 or something, wasn't it? Dennis, that's the one good thing about the pubs being busy and everything. <laughs> We're at home at one o'clock. Normally, in places like West Clare, lads would be only coming in at one o'clock. <laughs> at silence. Yeah. Anyway, lads, mighty stuff. Uh, great stuff. Look, I think it's, it's one of these weekends. I, I think we, we all kind of came around to... Eventually, we hated the two. Or originally, we hated the two Ireland semi-finals on the one weekend because we felt we were giving away a weekend to hurling. But uh, I think we're looking forward to a weekend like this. Magic now, like with, with four massive games, like and uh, winner takes an awful lot in these guaranteed yeah. quarter-final or semi-final spot if you can get win this match at the weekend. So, so much to play for. We uh, we will so look forward to it, and we look forward to talking to you all again next Monday. So, cheers, lads. With Renault, passion for what drives you. Official car partner of the GAA. A grain of rice. A grain of rice. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, lads. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on. Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. We're missing what the show is. Then we're not. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 